Hello and welcome to On The Esky, a sports podcast where we like to cover a whole bunch of sports. In today's show, we definitely want to get stuck into the cricket, what's happening over in England. Um, we've got the NRL and AFL finals about to kick off as well. There's NFL preseason news and also a massive story coming out of the EPL. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. We are a day late on the podcast. That is my fault. Sorry for being um, a pansy. And being sick yesterday, well, I've got the boys with me, Monks and Peps, as always. Um, how you, how's your week been, lads? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, just locked down again here in the nation's capital. Uh, I'm not minding it too much, to be honest. Bit of a homebody myself anyway. I've been watching plenty of sport. Uh, yeah, it hasn't, hasn't affected me too badly. What about you, Monks? What, what beer have you got there? Um, I've got Fresh Tracks Brewing Co. Very good. Yeah, just saw it in Dan Murphy's a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was on, on special. Um, How's it go? Yeah, it's not too bad. Easy drinking. Yeah, yeah um, my week's been all right. Um, Sean got me into the cryptos this week, and <laughs> not to brag, but I'm already 3% down on my portfolio, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, going well, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, you're doing better than my sports bet account does. So. I've only been three percent in the red, so hats off to you. That's it. How's your week been, Sean? Besides uh, being sick yesterday, of course. Work, um, sports. I've got a quarterback now, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. Uh, <laughs> as always. Uh, if you like this content, please uh, give us a subscribe. We do have an Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow. Uh, if you don't like the spots we're talking about, there is timestamps throughout the entire episode, so jump to the bit you want to look, listen to. Um, but I think to kick us off, as we do, we like to shout a beer out to someone in the sporting arena that has done something excellent. And I think I'll go to you, throw to you, Peps, first. Who do you want to shout a beer out to? Yeah, I'm going to shout out uh, Nelson Foley, Canberran bloke, uh, 24-year-old. He's just been picked up by the University of Miami. The U, the U, <laughs> go Canes. Um, he, uh, a local Ainsley footballer. We won't hold that against him too much, although they are quite a successful club. Uh, but yeah, he's got, he's going over to the States. He'll be punting for them. Um, he'll be a freshman this year. And I think their current punter is, is projected to get picked up next year. So might be able to, to learn a bit from him. Uh, so enjoy your, uh, yourself a nice Florida beer. I'm not sure what they drink down there. I know they, they fry gators and, and eat them. I don't know what they watch it down with. Uh, so enjoy it, son, and uh, and hopefully we don't hear about you being a Florida man, um, you know, in the in the news. And uh, yeah, good, good luck with punting, son. What are you, Max? That's it. Yeah, um, I'm going to the boxing world this week, and actually going back a couple of weeks. This one sort of flew under the radar for us. Um, but Nico Ali Walsh, the grandson of the great Muhammad Ali, uh, made his professional boxing debut a couple of weeks ago. Um, so we're fight? a little bit late to celebration. What was that? How long did that fight last? Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> a little late to celebration, but yeah, I'm going to shout um, Nico Ali Walsh a beer for his quick work of um, Jordan Weeks, who was a, something like a one and four fighter before, before this fight. Um, First round KO. Um, so quick recap. Uh, Nico scored a knockdown pretty early on in the round. And then after a couple barrages of combos, the referee stepped in and stopped, uh, stopped the fight with like a minute to go in the first round. Jeez. Um, 
Yeah, oh, it was a huge mis- mismatch um, of an opponent for him. He was, yeah, outclassed the guy very well. Um, so, yeah, promising start to his career. Hopefully he kind of em- emulates some of the performance of his grandfather. Um, also, as a side note, Nico's trainer is Sugar Hill Stewart, who is also the trainer for Tyson Fury. So definitely got everything around him to be successful. So... Um, next beers on me and hopefully good career ahead of you. Does he fight like a butterfly and sting like a bee? Um, hard to tell. Hard to he tell was very much pushing forward in this fight and it didn't last too long. So you didn't really see too much of, um, his movement. He was quick on his feet. Um, but yeah, again, didn't really have to see him too defensive. Um, He's smaller than his old man, yeah? Uh, only three inches. So his old man was, uh, sorry. Old man, as in Muhammad Ali, was six three. He's six flat. Yeah. So uh, I'm assuming he's not boxing in the heavyweight division then. He's no, got, he's, he's a bit leaner than. Yeah, yeah. So he's in middleweight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but looks good at middleweight as well. He's got some good size to him. In terms of keep, keep an eye on him, the the grand the grandson of the greatest. That's it. Yeah. And who have you got this week, Sean? Ah, uh, yes, I've got our. I think she's currently number one tennis. Yeah, she uh, is. Yeah. In the in the women's um, side of the comp, uh, Ash Barty. She just won the Cincinnati uh, Open. That's her fifth title of the year. Um, so big congrats to her after coming off that bronze medal um, at the Olympics. And then the U.S. Open only starts next Monday. So she's in a bit of good form leading into that. Hopefully she can add another title to her um, list of accolades going forward. So yeah, that. Very impressive. Definitely. Very stellar year for her. Our girl, Ash. <laughs> With that, I think it's some cricket time. Um, and we better talk about this England versus India third test um, currently underway at Headley in Leeds. Do you want to run us quickly, perhaps, through day one and how we got to? Because uh, day three is about to start, about 15 minutes away from current time. Yeah, so we're, we're recording Friday evening uh, Australian time, so day three about to start. Day one, uh, this this series just keeps on giving. Uh, one of the more unbelievable uh, days of cricket in recent memory. Uh, India went unchanged from the team that um that won that Lords, and uh, and England made two changes with David Milan coming in for Dom Sibley, and Craig Overton in for the injured Mark Wood. Uh, most people familiar with uh, David Milan, AC Milan, uh, they, they call him, um, as, an, as an excellent T20 player, uh, although his test form has been a bit lacklustre, uh, 16 tests averaging just 27.8, uh, so a bit of pressure on him to, to perform with this recall. And Craig Overton has been in stellar form in the county uh, cricket championship. He's averaging 13 with the ball, if you wouldn't mind, so he was banging down the door for selection. India won the toss and chose to bat. From what you boys saw early on, uh, what are our thoughts on that? Well, I think Root said early um, after the toss, like it, the toss he was happy enough to lose. Like he, I think they would have preferred mm-hmm. to, to, of course, start batting. Um, but yeah, it ended up playing well into their favour. Um, and Jimmy Anderson, uh, vintage Jimmy, their, their main weapon in England, uh, comes out and um, they run right through India. That's it, yeah. yeah. Vintage is the right word there. The bloke's 39 years old. 
He debuted in 2003. I was having a look at guys that debuted after him. Andrew Strauss, Michael mm-hmm. Clark um, come, come to mind. And he's a fast bolt. They, like those guys, uh, top order batsmen that retired four or five years ago, and he's still going out there and is the most prolific fast bowler of all time. And if you get him on a sort of somewhat cloudy day uh, in the north of England, you you better watch out. And he just made an absolute mockery of England's top order. Uh, the, the first wicket of KL Rahul, he set, it was beautiful swing bowling, just set him up. In-swinger, 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 out-swinger, schnicked him up, uh, got a wicket in the first over, and then uh, he, he got Pujara in his third over, and Pujara's actually become a bit of a bunny for him. He's only averaging 20 against James Anderson, being dismissed 10 times, uh, someone who's been a real thorn in the side of the Australians over the last few years. So Jimmy Anderson mm-hmm. seems to have his number, especially in England. And then the big one, Virat Kohli, he, he got him uh, he got him driving at a full outswinger and and he really celebrated well. You don't normally see an animated Jimmy Anderson after a wicket, but obviously with all the back and forth from from the second test, the words exchanged uh, at Lords, he really enjoyed that one. And Virat has 50 international innings now without a hundred uh, across all forms. The pressure just keeps building on him, doesn't it, boys? Yep. Oh, big time. It does. And especially yeah. when they're kept on the other side doing what he's doing at the moment. We'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. As a direct comparison, and we talked a little bit about it last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't I think there's going to be calls to replace Kohli anytime soon. I, I know some will, will start considering it, but you now it's it's still progressing. He's now starting to get a little bit more worried um, than you were, uh, say, a year ago. Oh, indeed. That, that monkey on his back just keeps nibbling, doesn't it? He uh, just just keeps uh, failing at, at an international level. And, you know, 18 months ago, probably hands down the best batsman in the world and, you know, one of the best ever, It's st- and still is, but in a, in a real uh, bad uh, period of form, isn't he? And again, I think this one, another, another ball that he's probably nibbling at that he could have let go. Like it was, it was good, good length, good, good, good of the line. Probably a little closer to the ones he got in the in the um, uh, last two matches. But he's again, he maybe made that decision and was like, well, I'll leave that one alone. Yeah, the thing about this one is, I think it was a bit fuller than some of the ones that he that he got caught, um, you know, sort of poking at in the first few tests. It, it probably was there to have a crack at, but you're exactly right. When when the ball is hooping around like it was. And you're two for fuck all. Uh, perhaps le- leaving that alone is the best option. Hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? Um, he's he loves having bat on ball, and that's probably what's seen him become a little bit undone of late. And you can se- see that he's still got that aggressive mindset. He wants to score runs. He's not going to go back into his shell, even though he is in poor form. Uh, but yeah. Massive, massive wicket there for Jimmy Anderson, who finished up from his eight overs. Five maidens, three for six, if you don't mind. It's pretty so on. Rahani was taken by Robinson uh, with the last ball before lunch. Um, Pant, Pant came in, got a bit, of, got out to a bit of a nothing shot. Um, yeah, that that one, it, he had to either go hard with a cut shot or just leave it alone. He he just tried to sort of guide it down to third man, and you know what's the best thing, result that's going to happen from that? You're going to get a single. 
what's the worst result? You're going to get, you're going to sneak up on two and really put your team in the shitter. Which is what happened. Um, so in the notes, it said Pepe went to bed at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the madness this, happened. Yeah. This was just after about 11 o'clock Australian Eastern. Uh, I, I went to bed. I thought, oh, geez, very interesting first session and a bit. Uh, and then I wish I'd stayed up for about another half an hour because this is when England just went mad and India lose four wickets in six balls. Rohit Sharma, the first to go, he, he, he saw off about a hundred odd, odd rocks. Um, he, you know, he did the best out of the, um, out of the Indian bats, but he come undone with the pull shot again. And this time, rather than being caught in the deep, he, he just was all over this one and got on into him a bit quicker and he put it straight down Ollie Robertson's throat there at mid on. And then that set up the cascade uh, of of Indian uh, uh, bowlers uh, or tail enders to fall. Um, so Shami caught second slip, first ball. Some of the best commentary uh, that I've seen in recent memory. Nasser Hussain is saying that don't change the plan. He's saying at Lords the the tail come in. They just wanted to bounce them. They had a different field set. He said just bowl bowl to him like you bowl to Coley. Have three. Three slips in the gully, top of off, and if it's good enough for Coley, it's good enough for a tail ender. Lo and behold, schnicks him up, first ball. Uh, and then Overton goes on to uh, be on a hat-trick there. It was Peach to Sharma, and Sharma, to his credit, keeps it out. And then the next over, uh, the, the horror for the Indian fans just continued with Jadeja getting caught plum LBW from Sam Curran. And then Boomerah LBW uh, reviewed, but it was catching the top of the leg stump. Uh, and then his hat-trick ball was actually a really nice ball there to Siraj, who managed to get a little bit of of uh, bat on it. Um, and then he didn't last much longer. A good catch from Joe Root. Overton finishes with three for 14, and he's come back to the English side. And the Indians, all out for 78. Who would have thought it? Yeah. I think you, you brought it up there, Pep. So we said there's two key... Two key points we wanted to make for England to try and get back into this test series. One of those was on the bowling side, is they needed to, to stick to, you know, be patient, stick to the length, stick to the line and length, use the key weapons you've got, which is one, the England climate, let's swing it, hoop the ball around. Who yep. does that better than anyone? Jimmy Anderson. Let's yep. give them what they need to yep. succeed. They stuck to that plan, they actually did it, and they went through and they, they ran, ran right through the Indian side. So, um, I think the, I think it was clear to everyone to see that that's how, what they had to do. They've now gone out and executed it. So all hats off to them, and that's put them in a really, really good spot. Um, so speaking of which, that then leads into the first innings for the English side. How'd they do? Yeah, well, that was our second point uh, last week, wasn't it, is that without Joe Root, this side was is looking horrendous. Uh, we need some help. Someone's going to stand up and help. Needed some Who's help. going to get his son? Who's going to help him get the rest of the run? Well, we were concerned what was going to happen when Joe Root fails and then he's got no no one else around him. Turns out he's in the form of his life. He goes out and gets a, a ton. But before that, Haseeb Hamid and, and Rory Burns, all the pressure in the world, especially for Hamid after that long time in the wilderness, coming into that test at Lords and getting a, a first ball, ball duck, the amount that that would be playing in your head, you know, the head noise that you'd have after four or five years out of sight and then you face one ball and then didn't do much in the second innings either. Massive confidence booster for him with 68 and Burns with 61. 
Uh, they both succumb early on day two uh, to quite good balls, actually. They uh, both lost their poles to uh, Jadeja and Shami. And then the man recalled into the side to bat three, David Milan. He rewarded the selectors with a, a really nice 70. His cover driving and cut shots were immaculate, uh, but the day belonged to Joe Root. The, watching watching the game, every few minutes you'd hear the crowd, Root, three consecutive <laughs> tons, and it was a quick fire, 121, striking at about 80. Uh, so you can really score some runs quickly. And, um, boys, what, what do we have to think about the, the form that he's in? He's, he's really putting this side on his back and the, the, the whole series has swung back into, you know, anyone's game. Whereas two days ago, we were talking about, in, about India taking this series quite comfortably. Yeah. Well, we made those two points. They managed to hit both of them in this match early on, at least. We're at essentially at the halfway point. Um, with each still having innings to go, but if they can keep this, that's, this is the, the game plan. This is the direction they need to go. Um, use what you've got, use the climate, use those weapons and give Root the support he needs in the batting lineup and they will score 400. So that's what they need to do. They've got now over 300 run lead, um, coming into the start of day three. What do you think they'll do now? Do you think they'll try to push that 300? Because India essentially need a bat for the next two days. Um, to even get this remotely close to, uh, you know, trying to probably draw this game out versus actually going for a win. Um, do you think yeah, what, what, they bat much more to today? What they would have said uh, to the the uh, English tailenders going in to bat in uh, in Sam Cohn, uh, Ollie Robinson, and James Anderson, they would have said, "Boys, you've just been down to the Department of Motor Vehicles. We've printed out a license for you, and that license." <laughs> is to go swing, who gives a fuck? If you add a few runs, good on you. Who cares? And let's get stuck yep. in the, into the Indian top order. Uh, look, England should have this one really within within the next day or two. Yeah. Yep. That's it. I think they just yeah, need to remain consistent. Hopefully they can have a good bowling attack in the next innings and then, yeah, let's just see it home with some good top order batting real quick. The worst thing they could do is fall in a heap, lose their way, India hit 600 in the next two days, and then they've got to chase runs on day three to possibly draw this match out. So, yeah. And it's and look, it's not impossible. They were showing um, for us Australian viewers in, in the lunch break of day one, uh, and I had I'd had PTSD from this. I'd managed to uh, erase it from my memory, if you will. Uh, but in the 2019 <laughs> Ashes, when we, uh, well, Australia, I say we, you know, like like I was, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, uh, Australia, we we skittled them for sixty seven, I think, and should have had that game all wrapped up. And then uh, the second innings, um, England go out and they're they're absolutely up shit creek. And Ben Stokes comes out with one of the gutsiest hundreds you ever see in your life. He scored. He he took fifty balls to score his first two runs. And that ends up winning the game for England. Do I think we see a repeat of that? No, probably a once in a you know hundred year occurrence that, that that even happened two years ago. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but they'd need to go out there and bat for two days and you know count their lucky stars. And you just don't see it happening because the big difference in this one, the English boys were getting a lot of swing 
Whereas the Indian bowlers were just relying off the off the seam off the deck, they weren't hooping it like like Anderson and Robinson and Overton were. Well, I just checked it. Um, the, the match has started on time. Uh, there was reports of slight drizzle because that was the only other concern I had, which could work against the English side, which is the English weather. Um, Even in the English weather, I think with this three days, they would need some kind of rain of Noah's Ark proportions to uh, <laughs> to, to to get to get a, a drawn result here. Um, in, England should win this pretty comfortably, and uh, and we will wrap up um, with with a separate video say Sunday or Monday when, when this game does uh does have a result. Will do. Yep. So they've they've kicked off officially, two balls down, no runs so far, all wickets. Peps, West Indies and Pakistan. Yeah, just quickly, uh we'll go through um the, the second test over there in the West Indies. Uh the Windies won the toss and elected to field. Uh, they got off to a dream start as well. Uh, taking three for just two by Kemar Roach and that young Jaden Seals, that 19-year-old quick that we need to keep an eye on because he's coming along very well. Baba Azam, of course, uh, scored runs. He had 75. And Farad Alam had 76. They steadied the ship with a 158-run partnership, but it was it was about 34 degrees and about 98% humidity in Kingston. Uh, so Farad Alam actually retired hurt due to heat exhaustion before day two was completely washed out. He came back on day three, made 124. Pakistan declare uh, nine for 302. The Windies then get skittled for 150. Shaheen Afridi, the main destroyer, six for 51. Pakistan go back out and they play for a result, which I really like to see. Uh, they, they kind of had to with the West Indies winning the first game. So they were aggressive. They just put 176 on the board. They declared uh, and uh, the Windies... Uh, they, they got, they got off to an uh, okay start. They were one for 49 at Stumps on day four, but then that man, Shaheen Afridi, he cleaned them up. He had four for 43 in the second innings, 10 for the match, and the series is drawn one apiece, no third game. So that's it. Drawn series there in the West Indies between them and Pakistan. There you go. And that'll be cricket, I think, for, well, at least for the next couple of days until we yep. wrap up the India versus England series. I think that means we now need to move into the AFL, talk some AFL news before we talk about AFL finals coming up. Uh, and, well, I guess it was a great round, the last round of the, of the season leading up to this. Yeah, one of the better final rounds in any kind of footy code in recent memory. Uh, a lot of games going to the wire, a lot of uh, jostling on the live ladder. Uh, the Hawks and Tigers had a draw, obviously no playoff implications for them. Uh, but it was their first draw since 1925, so nearly 100 years of history there between uh, two massive Melbourne clubs. Uh, and that was the send-off. Alistair Clarkson, Sean, Sean Burgoyne, Basha Hooley and, and uh, Dave Asprey there. Uh, Jack Rewalt had the goal with about two seconds to go to, to end it in a draw. And, um, and it was Sean Burgoyne that was a bee's dick away from, from getting a finger on it and getting uh, the win there for Hawthorne. But alas... No finals implications. Let's move on to some of the games that, that do have finals implications. Yeah, I just want to make a point. I don't think enough people are making a point about the Tigers. No finals this year. Yeah. Has, they've just been bad and, like, they're hurt, they're banged up. Um, well, they are. No, little... Dusty, of course, for the last couple of months. So We've spoken about it before on the ESCI. The side that they have, even with 
with Dusty being out and, and a few other key injuries throughout the season, they're not that different from the side that, that won the comp last year. So I think they're, that they're a slightly older squad. They're just a year older, and then everyone else is sort of coming up. Look, it's the first time they've missed the finals in, in five years, I think, or six six years. I think they'll be there there and thereabouts back back again next year. They've got some good kids coming through. Um, and, no, yeah, no finals for them this year, but, I, yeah, I, next year I think I think they'll still be there or thereabouts. What about your boys, Sean, the Brisbane Lions? Mm-hmm. Went right down to the wire. Um, they, well, when I say went right down to the wire, they did win by 38 points over the Eagles. What went right down to the wire was the points difference, essentially, that made sure that they would secure fourth spot. Um, and uh, Lincoln McCarthy behind in the last minute got the percentage home. Um, the players yeah. didn't know. The players uh, didn't know. Yeah, so so they had the live ladder, obviously, you know, for the viewers. Oh, so okay. the viewers, just on the bottom corner. <laughs> yeah, viewers were all aware. But if you're out there, you you know, you barely know what the, what the score is to the point, let alone where you are in a live ladder. So that so um, the Eagles have got a kick out, and the players are going mad, like setting up this zone. You know, we got to score, we got to score. They set up a zone, and Charlie Cameron gets the intercept. Kicks a goal after the siren and absolute scenes yeah. there at the Gabba. How good are crowds at the footy boys? Oh, excellent! And watching the boys like a, so Harris Andrews who didn't play in this who was in the in the box like he can go mental like he understood how much this meant to get into the top four, get that double chance essentially, um, in and out of it. So yeah. yeah, it was a great win for them. Um, Jared also Jared Berry kicked three three for one and probably should have had four. Um, took a few kicking lessons from you, perhaps. Uh, yeah, I, I can um, I can give him a call. I know you have probably got him in your contacts list there, Sean, and I can I, I can offer him some advice for uh, how to at least hit the post from straight in front, uh, twenty five meters out, because uh, that, that that last kick did resemble myself playing park footy here. Yeah, just show him your highlight reel and say do the opposite of this, and you'll be right. Yeah. Highlight highlight is an unusual word. Uh, <laughs> we, we can show him the, the film. Yeah, I'm showing the film. Anyway, but it's a good return for him being injured for most of the year. Yeah, sure. It adds an extra dimension to their midfield, so hopefully they can keep that you know, current form rolling through the finals. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, and he's struggled with adductor problems, uh, so common uh, with, with AFL players with the amount of kicking involved, uh, and one of those real pesky injuries, you know, where you probably feel like you're okay, and then, you know, you go for a run and you go for a kick and, and that groin pain comes back. So good to see him back in the side and hopefully it has a big impact for them in the finals. Uh, the, the Swans and Giants, the Sydney teams, they both win. Buddy kicked six last week, so he goes to 992 career goals. Um, and he, he, made, he made a big deal of not caring about a 1,000. He cares about a flag. And people... People, I think, need to take Sydney seriously. That they've been one of the form teams here at um, towards the end of the year, and they're storming home. They're sick. They've got this big matchup elimination game. It would have been great, you know, if this game could have been in Sydney, but alas, uh, the current COVID situation sees it move to uh, Tasmania, which is great for the people of Tasmania. I think they were saying Buddy Franklin hasn't played in Tasmania for eight years, so so a massive opportunity for the fans to go see him. Uh, I was thinking 
Mate, not too much, not too much uh, COVID in old old Canberra. They could have it at the theatre, James Monica over. <laughs> we do have a few cases, so understood it going down to the Apple Oil. And then, um, and the D's secured their first minor premiership with their win against the Geelong Cats, their first since 1964. Shout out to my old boy. That was the year he was born. So that's a fucking long time. Um, <laughs> The, the Cats blew a 44-point lead in this one, six goals to none in the final term, and it was big Max Gorn, the people's yeah. beard, kicking a, you love to see a Ruckman kicking a goal at the, after the siren to win a minor premiership. And talking of fans, that was in front of fucking no one. Uh, <laughs> that, that would have been really nice to see for, you know, for these long-suffering Demons fans in front of 90,000 at the G, but that's the world that we live in, isn't it, boys? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that was last week. Uh, into the the week that emerged uh, through the week, David Teague. <laughs> there was a lot of um umming and ahhing. Uh, Monday was pretty much like they're going to announce his sack. They came out. They said, "Oh, the club will take the necessary time." Rada, rada, rada. Essentially, the the consensus was, "Can we get Clarko?" Yeah. Um, yeah. He's he's been adamant to say no. He wants a break from coaching. He's d- accomplished everything that you can as a coach in the AFL. He wants to have a year off, have a gap year. Uh, he f- fucking can't go overseas anywhere, so I hope he enjoys you know doing the the grey nomad around Australia. Um, and then and then the club came out today and sacked David Teague. Well, as as uh, non Carlton fans, boys, what were your thoughts on this? Well, definitely. It depends well, how many coaches they've gone through, how many great um, coaches have they gone through. Um, nothing's changed. What's the consistency, the constant uh, you know, denominator in that in that regards that's always there, the board, the front office. Yep. Uh, I've, I've seen the jokes about, um, you know, you sacked the last coach because he focused too much on defense. You got an offensive coach. You sacked him because he focused too much on offense, not enough on defense. Yeah. So you can now hire a defensive coach. Folks won't. He's going around circles. Like, mm. Winning cures all. They haven't been winning, which obviously doesn't help. Um, but maybe it's more of a front office problem, a board problem, and they needed to stay the course maybe another year or two so they could get to where they need to be. They've got they've got good talent there by all accounts, and maybe they're one or two players away, and then they can push into that finals, and then that'll, that'll answer their problems. But, yeah, I think a bit stiff here. Um, I think Lyons was the other one they were talking about as well. Like they yeah, Ross Lyon, yep. Yeah, so, yeah. All all, uh, all accounts seem to be pointing to him, the the former Fremantle coach, to be the next coach of the Blues. I think your yeah your points there, Sean, about possibly uh, not being a coaching issue. Maybe uh, people are getting sick up, with, sick and tired of this board. Uh, going through some of the comments on um, on Carlton's. Uh, social media pages. The fans seem to be echoing that, that sentiment. Um, they're, they're sick and tired of, of being treated like this. Um, and and Teague, and to his credit, you know, I, I've been a big advocate for him all year. People have been calling for his head the the back end of this this uh, this season. His 50 game record, which is where he's unfortunately been sacked here after 50 games, it's better. Then Damien Hardwick and Alastair Clarkson's records after 50 games. You you got to give a bloke a chance. 
You, they've got a reasonable list. You can argue injuries, yeah. You know, Marchbank missed the whole year. Charlie Kerno barely played. Mitch McGovern barely played. Um, but they they weren't any more hurt than other clubs were. But but things take time, and I think I think that the general reaction from from the Carlton faithful is is Teague has been absolutely robbed here of of an opportunity to take a reasonable list to to the finals and and possibly. <laughs> Um, they they pull the pin prematurely. It is a hard one. Like I hate to cross codes and stuff, but with my Tampa Bay, if we've seen that last couple, of, well, almost a decade now, just a changeover and churn of just head coaches one after another, after one or two. Look at the brand successfuls. Yeah, like it's hard to, and it's hard for a team to keep consistent when you do have a head coach like that. Um, when you chop and change your head coach every now and again um, as well. So whether Teague could have used another couple of years to build a team to be successful, um, it's hard to say because you also look at a lot of the head, head coaches that Tampa Bay have had. They're not coaching in the NFL anymore either. So do you call it early do you, or do you keep on pressing on and hope that something gets better? It's, yeah. Well, to use that analogy, they did replace that with Bruce Arians, who's a pretty well-known coach. So maybe that's what well, they yeah. They need to go out there and replace him with a big name, essentially. But then they had Nick Malthouse there um, not that long ago, so you can't get much bigger names than that. One of the biggest names in, in coaching, and, and he wasn't able to turn around. Uh, granted, that may be proving our point because Mick had had a long mm. stint at the club compared to Teague. So so perhaps you know it is some kind of club culture issue rather than rather than the coach. I hate to make this analogy, boys, but I will. Um, it reminds me a lot about of of politicians you know it's always the short term i need to get re-elected i need to get re-elected rah 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 what can i do come election day rather than actually thinking long term and and trying to you know nut out some long-term progress like perhaps a china under a uh, xi jinping uh, you know you're not losing your job anytime soon you've got ability for, for growth uh, I hate that analogy, but uh, I think I think it uh, maybe rings true here. So essentially, what you're saying is Dave Teague should become the board himself, so he can't vote himself out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the CCP, the uh, Carlton Communist Party. <laughs> well, back to Mark's point. Some of those head coaches that have gone into those places and actually been successful took over more of the front office and took more of a role in that, have more say, so they could protect themselves. But uh, maybe. We'll have to see. Yeah. We'll have to see who they who they hire and how much clout he has across the entire organisation. Yeah, as, as a Carlton fan, it's a lot of same shit, different year kind of thing. You know, maybe get your hopes up a little bit and then and then quite disappointing. But um, look, we, we've got a few all Australians. We will get to that in a second. Um, they've got the list here to to do well. So hopefully, you know, start start again fresh in 2022 with a new coach whether that being Ross Lyon or someone else, and, and see how they go. So the other bit of news that came out uh, was the ongoing talk about, a, you know, is it viable to add an extra team in the NFL, especially in Tasmania? Um, well, the Tasmanian franchise, that's the one they're kind of picking. They're playing a lot of games down there this year. Um, of course, I think they've had more games this year because it's a place with less COVID than, than Victoria is, so that does help that's their chances. Uh but if this pen 
stays around for 20 years, I think our Tasmanian team's very, very viable. <laughs> so the AFL won. Commission must agree on an expansion bid and 12 of the 18 clubs must sign off on it. It has to be financially viable. That seems to be the big question because um, I guess what's the, the – well, it'd have to be a Hobart team, I'm assuming, and what's the population of Hobart? Hobart, off the top of my head, is about 250, and then all of Tasmania is about 500. But, yeah, it's it's tiny. That's a, that's a, that's a population-wise, that is a very, very small market. The thing is that they are footy mad down there, and we have spoken in, in previous episodes. If you were to put your best 22 Tasmanian-born footballers out on the field, um, as an AFL side, it'd be a pretty fucking handy side. So, we'll talk about the point here in a minute about what the NRL's doing. Do you think this is more on the cards, though, because of what the NRL is doing? As in, the NRL's here talking about expansion, trying to build news. You know how these leagues like to compete with each other. Um, is this the AFL saying, oh, we're still considering that Tasmania thing, just so that we're also considering expansion? You know, to keep the direct competition up between between competitions. It's an interesting point of view. They they do compete, obviously. Uh, you know, the the Ron Barassi line it separates the the south and the west of Australia with with the the north and the east. Rugby league versus AFL. You know, it's a it's a tale that's 150 years old. Uh, I don't know if it's just smoke to just try and say, oh, the NRL's looking at expanding, we're looking at expanding. The AFL's been looking at a, at a Tasmanian option for, for, for many years now, and they've sort of been grooming it with these six games a year with, uh, you know, three between North and three between Hawthorne being played in Tasmania to try and get, you know, a try before you buy kind of, um, you know, uh, preview. Um, yeah, I think it goes a bit further than that. I think they are serious about expansion uh, down into the Apple Isle. Uh, the, yeah, the, the, the question does remain though, do they have the numbers there to, to, you know, fill out, fill out a Bellarive Oval or a, a University of Tasmania Oval at Launceston week in, week out, uh, with, with the population? Look. It might depend on the, like they were, Again, they might need to change some of that layout for that stadium if you focus on a twenty to twenty five thousand, but you get them packed in really close to the ground, you can create the atmosphere that you need. Like you, you use the, the stadium mechanics um on the design of the architecture of that to actually you know, emphasize what the the game is. So then you don't have to worry about trying to get fifty thousand um there to get that same sort of atmosphere. For sure, but tw- but twenty five in, in a packed Bellarive, that's you're cheering. You guys have <laughs> <laughs> well, well, but you guys, let's you know, cross codes again. Let's go to let's go to cricket and the Hobart Hurricanes, which will often often sell a a, a Bellarive Oval. It's a mad atmosphere down there, and I think yeah. you know Aussie Rules Footy is the number one code down there by you know it's daylight second. Um, I think you know from a crowd perspective, perhaps it is viable. And you look at the Gold Coast Suns. The AFL has done everything to try and prop them up and they haven't made the finals in in 10 years uh they they get they've got the lowest membership rate in in the afl um and you know they've they've really struggled and maybe that 
goes to you know the Gold Coast. We've spoken about it before. How it's a bit of a football code uh, graveyard. The A League has been impacted up. You know the Titans. They they really need some results. They they kind of struggle a little bit in terms of support yeah, it's, base it's, in the league. It's more the culture of that place, I'd say. Because on the flip side, you look yeah. at the Giants in Sydney, Sydney yeah. West. You know they've made finals of five of the ten years they've been in. They've made a grand final. Got thirty k ish members. Um, actually starting to make some money. They've got some really good players on there. They're actually competitive. Um, for for membership, the Giants are starting to nip at the heels of the lower Victorian clubs, so like a, a Kangaroos or even a Bulldogs. Uh, the Giants aren't far off for, for membership numbers. Yeah, but it is a different situation when you've got, what are they up to now, 9 mil Sydney total population as a guess? Oh, no. No, no, greatest, greatest Sydney's about five well, and a half. I, I, and, I meant like as in between the two, the Sydney teams, the Sydney population, the, it's shared between the two teams, um, essentially. Yeah. So, so yeah, you, yeah, you divide that a half, but that's still a much bigger number than what Tasmania is. For sure, for sure. Yeah. But as well, league and union are, are big in, in New South Wales. That's when a true India market, whereas Tasmania is more AFL. I think the whole population of New South Wales is about eight. Um, so, so Sydney's about five, five and a half. But, but yeah, you, you're right. It's, 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 you know, even though it's not the number one code, it, it's a big city. It's a big market. Anyways, time will tell. This is, uh, it's, they've been speaking about it for, for ages, so we'll see what happens. I'm sure nothing happens uh, in, the, in the coming weeks that, that will be worth uh, reporting on. It's just, it, it is, you know, they're actually in talks about it possibly happening. You want to talk about the Hall of Fame? Yeah, a few inductees into the Hall of Fame. Nathan Burke, 300 gamer uh, for St Kilda. Uh, he had uh, the record, actually, the Saints record when he retired. Um, that that got uh, overtaken by Rob, Robert Harvey not long after he uh, he retired three times to kill the best and fairest and current coach of the uh, the AFLW team for the Bulldogs. Uh, he's in there and Chris Judd. This was like a uh, Peyton Manning uh, kind of situation. As soon as you're eligible, you're in. 279 AFL games, 2006 premiership with the West Coast Eagles, dual Brownlow medalist. He's straight in, uh, our Lord and Saviour at Carlton, except not really saving us, but, you know, uh, a really good footy player. Chris Judd, straight, straight into the Hall of Fame. And then uh, a one that goes back a little bit, Robert Wiley. He was a, a WANFL uh, player back in those days, which is now the Waffle. Uh, two premierships and eight best and fairest with, with Perth. Pretty hard to win one or two of two of those if anyone's, you know, listening that's played club footy. Uh, to, to win two BNFs down at your local is pretty difficult. To win eight in the waffle, uh, unreal. And he also had a – he was part of the, the Richmond Premiership side in 1980, 1986 All-Australian. And I like this little anecdote. His mum used to offer him 10 cents each goal as a junior. And back in those days, a little bit more money than 10 cents is these days. And uh, he, he got a habit, he, he got a taste for the plata and uh, started kicking goals uh, for, for fun. Uh, so he was, he was a midfielder that pushed forward and had his rest in the, in the, in the forward pocket and would just snag ro- uh, sausage rolls. And once kicked 10, once kicked 10 in a, in a um, VFL game as a, as a small forward. So uh, congrats to you, 
Robert Wiley into the Hall of Fame. And then I, I suppose the big story was Debbie Lee, uh, the first woman ever inducted into the AFL Hall of Fame, absolute pioneer of the women's game, five times. I was speaking about how hard it is to, to be, you know, a, a BNF um, two times at your local, uh, five times VFL uh, w, best and fairest, and monumental into uh, developing the, the women's AFL that we see today. And then two uh, deceased uh, Hall of Fame members were updated to legend status. Merv McIntosh, who, uh, who played for Perth in the 40s and 50s, and Jack Oatley, who played in the Sandful, but not so much his playing career as his coaching career that was commended here. He coached. 777 games in the Sandful over nearly a 40-year career, 10 premierships, deserves to be a legend. So congrats to all. Yeah, definitely. And an excellent list getting in there and getting inducted. So thanks for the run-through, Peps. Another uh, big, uh, I guess, announcement for the the All-Australians, the final yep. 22 got named. Uh, Monks, do you have us at the list there? For us, I think we chatted during the week with this. Um, Cam Guthrie was probably the uh, biggest snub out of this list. Uh, yeah, for, for him not to even make the 40-man the squad, I don't know uh, whose toes he stepped on or whose wife he slept with uh, because uh, <laughs> I, would, I would have thought Cam Guthrie was a shoe-in, at least for the squad. So for mine, possibly the biggest snubbing. Uh, but Monks, yeah, if you wouldn't yeah. mind, have you got that final 22 there available? Yeah, run through the final 22. Um, so we'll start off uh, in the back back lineup. So we had um, from Melbourne, we had Jack Lever and Stephen May. Uh, from Geelong, we had Tom Stewart. Brisbane, we had Daniel Richard. Port Adelaide, Alera Lair. And then Daniel, uh, sorry, Bailey Dale um, from the Western Bulldogs. And then moving into midfield, we had, um, again, from Melbourne, Max Gorn and Clayton Oliver. Um, Jack McRae from the Bulldogs, Ollie Wines from Port Adelaide, Sam Walsh from Carlton, and Zach Merritt from Essendon. And in our forwards, we had Mark bon- uh, Marcus Bontempelli from the Bulldogs again, um, Tom Hawkins from Geelong, uh, Christian Petrarca from Melbourne, Toby Green from the Giants, Harry Mackay, Mackay sorry, from Carlton, and Tom Papley from Sydney. And got it. Into- Mackay, Max. Okay, I did. Ah, there we go. <laughs> back, it's got to be one or the other. Back to gut. That's so, it, that's it. Hey, hey, and don't feel bad. I was watching uh, Carlton a few weeks ago, and uh, the great Eddie Maguire was getting it wrong. So <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, on the interchange, we had um, Darcy Parrish from Essendon, um, Nick Natanui out from the Eagles, and then took Miller and Jack Steele as well. Yeah, I, I suppose uh, not too many arguments from that final 22. Uh, mm. as, as a Carlton, possibly one-eyed fan here, a little bit of noise around Jacob Wiedering missing out. Uh, consistently one of one of the best uh, fullbacks getting around and then often goes to, um, you know, the... The, the opposition's best key forward and, and shut out a lot of big names this year. I suppose the selectors maybe reward club success as well as individual prowess, uh, going, going with Steve May and Jake Lever, who have been unbelievable for the D's. And then Alira Lear, 
possibly the buy of the year for, for Port Adelaide. Uh, that was the three key defenders they went with from clubs that finished first and second. I suppose you can't argue too much uh, there with Weeders missing out. Um, as a blue bagger, really nice to see Sammy Walsh and that man, Harry Mackay, uh, make it, make it in, uh, to that final 22. And yeah, they really, they really, um, rewarded club success with five demons and, uh, and three bulldogs, uh, and a, a handful of, uh, of Port Adelaide and Geelong, um, players also making it. Uh, what about? Did they announce, uh, did they announce a captain? Was it Max Gorn? I think it's Max Gorn. Yeah, Monks, if you wouldn't mind just chasing that one up, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. fairly sure that, that big Max got, got the captaincy, uh, there. And, uh, the Brisbane Lions players to make it, I think Dan Rich and Charlie Cameron. Uh, again, perhaps a, an argument for Jared Lyons being snubbed. Uh, he's been excellent this year, but always hard as a midfielder. Um, oh, to... the midfield stacked. Uh, what did you say? Yeah, so Steely, Steely and um, Miller on the bench. So um... yeah, that, well that's right. Took Took Miller, who I think had fourteen games straight uh, with thirty possessions uh, coming off the bench. So pretty hard to crack into it. And as well that they they name Petrarca and Bontempelli as as uh, half forwards because they go forward for a touch, but essentially play most of the game in the midfield. So so pretty hard to crack into that side as a midfielder. Um, yeah, look, I, I was pretty happy with the 22. I think the biggest travesty was Cam Guthrie not making the 40. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, so Gorn is captain and Bontempelli was vice. Named vice captain, yeah. All right, let's get to some... Have... Sorry. I was just going to say, it'd be nice if another country actually played this, this beautiful game that we love. <laughs> they did do yeah. the international rules a little bit with Ireland with a, with a round ball, but... Imagine seeing that team go out and, and, and play against someone. Jeez. It, uh, oh, mate, you, you could name, you could name a second best, second best 22, and I think that team would have them pretty handily covered. Oh, easy. I think, what was it? Um, China and the US were the last kind of two locations they tried to play some games in. Um, take them yeah. uh, Good luck. <laughs> the Chinese team would do it would be too good. Yeah, Ming might have to come out of retirement to ruck against Big Max. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's let's talk That's about it. some finals footy. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, first game, uh, Port Adelaide, second overall, taking on uh, the Geelong Cats, third overall tonight um, at the Adelaide Oval. Do you have a current score for me there, James? Do you want me to, Ooh, putting me on the pressure oh. here. Sorry, I can check it. Uh, I've got it here. Uh, yeah. Power, power up by 11. Yep. And we're in the second quarter. Yeah, just started the second quarter. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, the, the dogs, their, their, uh, loss last week gave, um, uh, port the opportunity to, to, to jump into second spot here. And um and Port had a massive second half comeback um against 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 the dogs. So they leapfrog them uh to jump in a second and then we'll get to it in, well we already spoke about it, the dogs actually dropping out of the top four with uh with Brisbane's uh win against West Coast. It's Tom Hawkins three hundredth tonight. 
Um, massive milestone for the for the big full forward. Um, won't have his family present due to the South Australian uh, COVID restrictions. Um, he becomes only the sixth uh, Geelong Cat to play 300 in that club's, you know, over 120 years history. So, so nothing to sneeze at there playing 300 at the Cattery. Uh, these two teams played back in round 13 uh, where the Cats were victors by 21 points. Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins combined for nine goals in that one. Different story, though, tonight, boys. Adelaide over the home ground advantage for Port plays a massive part, you'd think. Uh, what what are our tips? I went with Port, given the fact that it's in Adelaide. I think that's a massive advantage for them. I thought I'd picked Port as well, purely because they were second and Geelong were third. And you know what Port likes to do to teams below them? It is beat them. But looking at my tips... <laughs> good and point, then, Sean. I hadn't considered that, but that good is, point. Yeah. Yep. Well, they did it last week. <laughs> that was my purely reason for picking them, and they did it. So, uh, but looking at my tips, I picked Geelong. So there you go. I'm on Geelong. <laughs> well, uh, close. We'll, we'll, keep an, we'll keep an eye out throughout the podcast. I don't know so who real. put those tips in. Obviously, it was me. So, past Sean is an absolute dickhead. Current uh, <laughs> Sean is ruling those decisions. Let's see how Mate, maybe, about. you were crooked this week. You've been on, you, you smacked 28 schooners and did your tips and then <laughs> forgot, forgot which, which teams you picked. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Monks, that's it. You'll, you'll um, have the deciding thing here. Yeah. And the odds yeah. you wouldn't. Well, actually, it's live. I wouldn't bother about the odds. Uh, yeah, I won't bother about the odds. Um, I might be even more of a dicker than you, Sean, because I forgot to put my tips in. Oh, <laughs> my team. But. But hand on heart, I was probably going to go for Geelong anyway. Um, but yeah. family connection there. Hey Jim, nah, the old man, a massive yeah. Cats fan. So massive Cats fan. So he'll be glued to the telly right now and uh, probably yelling a few expletives. Let's be honest. Just quite possibly. And I mean, yeah, the way it's shaping up at the moment, it looks like my tip's going to be going towards Geelong anyway. So um, hopefully, I can turn the tide um, in the second half. Yeah, I'm hoping our podcast is done by the uh, the fourth quarter. So <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Let's, uh, on that note, let's roll through to uh, the Battle of the Bridge. Third time mm-hmm. that these two teams have faced each other in a final. Um, that Sydney and GWS, the first time at the University of Tasmania Stadium down there in Launceston. Both these sides have finished the uh, the season really well, with the Swans winning seven of their last eight and the Giants winning four of their last five. They played each other back in round 18. Swans 26-point winners there. Buddy and Papley kicking four each. This is a hard one for mine. I think I think Sydney are, are legitimate chances to, to go far this September. We'll get to the league in, in a minute when we talk about the NRL. I, I think... I think there's more teams that, that could, could possibly win the AFL this year than the NRL, and it's a far wider uh, consideration for, for teams that could possibly win it. And I wouldn't write Sydney off. It's hard to win it from six. You've got to play every week. You don't get any second chances. But uh, I like what they're doing. I've gone Sydney here. Yeah. I pick Sydney as well because uh, 1,000 might not mean that much to Buddy. But I guarantee you it probably means a lot to his other teammates to give him the opportunity to get that. He might not be able to give it, do it in this game, so they need to win this game so they get another one where he yeah. will probably then definitely have a chance to hit the 1,000. 
Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Sean, I like that thinking. If they get to a grand final, guess who kicks a thousand goals? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> so <laughs> if it's not going through his head, which is possibly what you say to the media, of course you're thinking about it. Uh, but yeah. uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that the midfielders that deliver it, you know, that ball into him are thinking about it. They'd, they'd want two things to win a comp and to Buddy, for Buddy to kick a thousand goals. I like where your head's at. Yeah. So that's why I picked Sydney. Thanks. Yep, um, I picked Sydney as well. Um, it's yeah, it's a tough one to pick, but I guess they are going into the uh, match favourites. So going straight to the odds, Sydney are favourites at dollar seventy. Uh, GWS are out at two dollars sixteen at the moment. The line is only five and a half at the moment. Um, so you're definitely shaping up to be a very close match. Yeah, all three of us have gone on Sydney here. It's an elimination game, and GWS, as I mentioned, have been trending in the right direction. Uh, that mm. they had a few guys make that All Australian squad in uh, in the likes of uh, of of Hopper and and Kelly. Uh, their midfield can match it with the best of them. Um, you know, whilst those blokes didn't make the final twenty two, they've got some. They've got a really red hot midfield. My concern about GWS: the loss of Jeremy Cameron at the start of the season to Geelong. Uh, you've got Toby Green, one of the best small forwards in the league, but I'm not sure if, if they're big targets in Himmelberg and, 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 uh, Perryman, um, can, can match it at, at this elite level. But, uh, but time will tell. I'm really looking forward to, for, to, to this game tomorrow afternoon. It should be close, should be a cracker. That's it. And just in case, if anyone's wondering, to score six or more goals, Buddy is at $21. <laughs> What's eight? What's the what's the other thousand tomorrow? Uh, there, there's, I don't, I, yeah, I can't find the market for that. Six or more was the best I could find. So, <laughs> I'm sure there's someone out there for it. All your own personal bookie. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Joel Ridge Franklin if you're listening. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he'd have a couple of dollars on it already. Yeah. It's his, it's his whole favourite list. Is just uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. Uh, so next up, we've got Melbourne and uh, v Brisbane over at Adelaide. Mm-hmm. As mentioned, the D's were minor premiers first time in fifty seven years. Of course, have to play in Adelaide because of the pandemic. Uh, last played in round twelve, the D's winning that um, twenty by two twenty two points. Sorry, and they were the winners. Um, I will say I think the lines have come a long way since then. Um, since started started middle point of the year, they got they've got real hot, then get cold for a bit, and then they've started to heat back up again. Um, I'm overly biased, so I have backed the the lines in this. I'm glad you did. <laughs> no Judas. Yeah, no That's Judas. It. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny you mentioned the hot and cold. I think when they played uh, Melbourne last time, that was when they were starting to build into that hot streak, and then uh, sort of rounds like. 16, 17, 18, 19, just went through this streak where you're like, these guys are pretenders. What's going on here? And then the last month have, have come back to their early season form and, and looked really good. Um, it, it's weird that, you know, the neutral venue here has to play into it. Uh, the fact that they don't have to go down to Melbourne, uh, you'd think is, is probably a good thing for Brisbane. Um, and, and very, Unfortunate for for Melbourne Demons fans 
that have waited this long for them to finish first. Um, you know, game goes to Adelaide. It will be all reports 15 to 20,000 allowed in there. Um, so not, uh, not like a game, you know, under no- normal circumstances, you might have 100,000 in the G and 85,000 of them wearing red and blue. Uh, so you'd think, you know, that advantage kind of levels the playing field a little bit. Yeah. And my final point on this is we've talked about windows, like Brisbane are in the middle of their window at the moment. The D's window is probably just over and like they're at the start of their window and hoping they'll have a couple more chances in the coming years. But the lines, you got to start thinking about it. You've got to start capitalising on where they are and how they're finished. Because, um, yeah, they may be, you know, depending on what happens, depending on the squad, injuries, age, et cetera, whatever. You know, you've got this year, maybe you've got next year, then whoa, thinking what about the year after that? Guys start getting older, moving on. Um, you've got, you got to capitalise where you can while you're in your window. And they're right in the middle of this. Well, at Brisbane, their captain Zorko, he's about 33. He's starting to get on a little bit. Jared Lyons is, is in great form, but starting to age a little bit. Uh, Charlie Cameron's probably in his late 20s. He's still got a, a bit to go. Um, and then, and then there's a big drop down to a lot of these young guys, you know, your McLuggages, your Berries. Harris Andrews is still very young. Um, there, there maybe is that sort of gap with these guys that are right in their prime. So perhaps they are, you know, in the next few years, they will lose some of those veteran guys. They'll still have these young guys coming through. But I think you're right there, Sean. I think this is a really good opportunity this year. And we've seen the last few years of them being so close but so far. Uh, I think it's a really good opportunity for them to pull the trigger and they may drop off a a touch in, in coming years. Yeah, yeah. Well, those those younger guys need to transition into those veterans and take up that, those positions and actually lead the squad, and then also bring in the young fellas. Like that's that's all of the management of transitioning of um, you know, culture and dynasty building, essentially. For uh, sure. Did you guys see that's Mitch it. Robinson's uh, re-signing speech today? Yeah, he got I in front. Of, he got in front of the boys and made it look like he was retiring. Uh, but yeah. it was just like an opera sign, so they all got melted. Hey, I'm fucking leaving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, so. Jordan Belfort, if you will. Hmm? <laughs> so, now, he, he would be early 30s. Yeah, I'd say so. He'd be in his 30s. That'd be my yep. guess. Yeah, good yeah. on him. Mm. Going around again, one of the harder-nosed uh, wingers you'll see in the AFL. Uh, I've, I've tipped the Melbourne Demons. I, I, uh, nothing, nothing against this Brisbane Lions team. I think they have come good at the right side. Uh, I think the neutral ground, uh, does play into the Lions' favour a touch, but I think, I think from what I've seen, I think the D's just. Thanks. Mm. Um, yeah, I've gone to D's as well. Um, I think you did sort of touch on it with the Swans and Buddy Franklin. Um, but uh, Charlie Cameron, it's his 150th game um, this weekend. So hopefully that brings a little motivation into the team to fire him up a little bit more and um, yeah, get the get the win over the D's. But I have gone D's. Um, they are favourites at dollar seventy. Brisbane are two dollars sixteen. So exactly the same odds as the the Sydney match. Um, and we've got and a line of yeah. You, sorry, you got no. You got, Hit us with the line, man. 
yeah, line again, exactly the same, five and a half. That's that's testament, isn't it, um, to the state that the AFL's in at the moment, where anyone mm. on their day can win. You've got the first team playing the fourth team, and and first side is 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 paying a dollar seventy. You know where you should be really for for a finals game. We'll get to the NRL in a second. I, I guarantee you, when when Melbourne plays that first game uh, in in the NRL finals in a few weeks, they'll be shorter than a dollar seventy. Yeah, and we we yeah. talked about at the start of the year. We thought there was four AFL teams that could probably take it. Now we can say that six can definitely have a chance, and then yep. seven, mm. seven and eight on their day could also beat beat some of these clubs and you know win games. So it's yeah, definitely an interesting yeah. final series upcoming. Indeed, indeed. Uh, and speaking uh, of uh, of seven and eight or five and eight uh, is is the last game. Western Bulldogs and Essendon uh, play 3.20 Sunday afternoon as well in Tasmania, in Launceston there. The Dogs, they've gone cold. They've lost three in a row, including to the Bombers in round 21. In that game, uh, big two-metre Peter Wright, he booted seven. And uh, and the, the usual suspects in Zach Merritt and Darcy Parrish were the major ball winners for the Dons. Uh, both both play this high scoring, free flowing uh, style of footy. The Dogs finished second uh, for for most points on the year behind your Brisbane Lions, Sean, and the Bombers finished fourth. Uh, although down in Tasmania, perhaps with a bit of wind, the, that may affect the, the free flowing nature of this game. This that was going to be my question. The hardest one to pick. Yeah, that was going to be my question. If if they're playing these two. Free-flowing, high-scoring, high-powered offensive teams go to Tasmania. Well, we usually score unders. That's like almost a guaranteed. Uh, who then comes out of this in a gritty matchup? Um, yeah, I think I think the Bulldogs, and that's why I've, I've tipped them. Uh, obviously, you know, a massive uh, momentum slide, and that will be affecting their confidence, having lost the th- last three games and losing one to the team they're playing on Sunday in the Bombers. But I, I just think that, that these these hard nosed veterans in in your Bontempellis, your McCrays, um, you know Trutrelaw, who's been a great uh, addition for them, uh, your Dunkleys, your Johannessons, these guys that have been there before. I, I think maybe the the little bit of experience uh, gets them home here. But as I did say, for mine, hardest to pick. And really would not be surprised with the, with the Bombers doing, uh, you know, a bit of an upset here and knocking off the fifth-place dogs. Well, I've gone with the hot hand, and I picked the Bombers. Over yeah, the like it. Dogs, yep. uh, and to bounce the dogs out. So there you go. Jeez, you'd hurt if you're a Western Bulldogs fan at Joseph McGrath, <laughs> if you're listening. Uh <laughs> So promising, so promising a month ago, and then just go bang, 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 and and go out in straight sets uh, in, in August, and uh, and uh, oh, we'll still, yeah, it'll still be in in August. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, um, yeah, I've gone the Bombers. Um, like I said, they're hot at the moment. Um, Bulldogs haven't been performing as well as a a lot of people, I suppose, would expect them to be playing at the moment. Um, so yeah, hopefully the Bombers can put on some points. It's going to be a long road to the grand final, but this is where it starts for us, and hopefully we continue down that road. Hang on, hang on, grand. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm talking grand final. <laughs> <laughs> the West Ham obviously in 2016 won it from seven. So uh, it well to get to get there is one thing. To win it, they they would have to uh, put their names in the in the record books to be the first ever to win from eight. Uh, have you got the odds there, Monks? It's it's quite close, I think. Um, close, but not as close as the other games. Um, so dogs are favourites out at $1.51 at the moment. Essendon are out at $2.57. Mm. And we do have a line that's pushed out to 10.5. Mm, very interesting. Anyways, finals footies here, boys. Exciting. We've been covering both, uh, both the AFL and NRL all year. It's great to see some games that really, really mean a lot. And uh, lockdown here, not much else to do. I'll, uh, I'll definitely have an eye uh, on, on all of these games with intent. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. That'll be AFL first week. Uh, just a quick note in yep. the cricket, England um, are all out for 432. Did start raining, but they have resumed. They did have a lead of 354. That is now down to 348. Uh, India are six for nothing so far. Or in an Australian way. The fucking Poms doing it the reverse way. <laughs> they're just they're, they're bloody weird bastards, aren't they? Let's, man, don't get little me. Bit, little bit let's, back. Let's talk about yeah. some NRL. Yeah, let's talk about yeah. some NRL, and I think we Everyone's should uh, finish off the the expansion talk that we started before. So there's been three clubs that all met with the, I think, the expansion committee the NRL had set up. Uh, there's the Brisbane Firehawks, the Redcliffe Dolphins, and the Brisbane Jets. Um, Dolphins, surprisingly, meant to be the, the favourites, and the last chat was the Firehawks and the Jets were actually going to merge together to create yeah. some massive consortium, uh, trying to then push for Wayne Bennett as the head coach and Munster as a foundational player in 2023, I believe. That's when he comes off contract. Yeah, and that, and that really only came out of today, I think, uh, that those two teams had, well, those two bids and, and talked to each other to try and get, uh, you know, a consortium uh, put together to face off against the most financially well-off Redcliffe Dolphins. Yep. Yeah, so what are your thoughts on this? Because I mentioned it before, is this AFL trying to keep themselves in the news against NRL? I actually think the answer to that is the flip of that because, um, you know, my thoughts on I think the AFL's easily winning this code war, um, having played footy across every state of this country, uh, and the NRL, you know, now need to play catch-up and now needing to generate interest, generate red revenue, et cetera. The hand may be forced a little bit that, hey, we need to expand. Let's expand into the one place where we have the, the biggest membership and the biggest following, Brisbane. Um South East Queensland, and uh, put a team there. So that's why these three bids, of course, have come from that area. Um, what are your boys' thoughts on that? Yeah, much the same as, uh, as as my answer to the AFL thinking about possible expansion. Yes, it is a competition. Yes, if one you know makes some news, the other might follow suit. But I think both are looking seriously at expanding. And and Brisbane, you've got the supporter base. Uh, you've got the interest in rugby league to um to to pursue an extra side, and what better time to do it than when the Broncos are sucking balls? Like yeah. um, yeah, 
Like, like if, if there's any time where, where, yeah, where you might be able to throw a side in and get some interest from, from some, uh, you know, fed up Broncos fans or ex Broncos fans, it's now. If you did this, say, you know, 14 years ago when, when Brisbane were, were dominant, they'd be top four every year. I think you'd get laughed out the room, but I think now is a really good time. Uh, participation in southeast Queensland rugby league is amongst the highest in the country. Uh, you, you talk to anyone from, from Brisbane or the surrounding areas, they're rugby league mad. I think it makes sense to, if you want to expand, to try and do it here in, in southeast Queensland, uh, and in, in the, in the greater Brisbane area. I suppose, and I'll put it to you boys now, we've spoken about it before. You know, with the big discrepancies between the good sides and the bad sides in the NRL, do we think the talent pool is there for for expansion to occur? If they still uh, all the good Brisbane players, like all the other clubs, have been doing this year, yeah, they might get some talent. So (laughs) (laughs) you got all the old Broncos. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and they're, they're better than the new Broncos, apparently. You can look at the ladder and that backs up. True, true. That's it. It is It is a tough question because obviously you don't want to cause an even greater divide between those top-tier teams and, and everyone else. Um, whether you then have to start playing around with the salary cap a little bit more or... Um, like how do you bring benefits are they going to get to come in because there's no there's no draft like that there's a kind of no really support well I mean that's it if if you've got no benefits to draw some of your marquee players from say the Storm up to Redcliffe then what else can you do and the salary cap's probably the only other thing that you can play around with to force teams to have to cut players move players around like you saw it with um, Messi and um in the soccer, like, they couldn't afford him, so he has to go. Like, you obviously want to keep him on your team, but if you can't afford him, you can't afford him. So you need to play around with the salary cap to make to make something like this work. Um, yes, yes and no, because money talks. And your Redcliffe Dolphins uh, apparently have got $100 million in assets ready to go. They've got 40,000 members uh, of, of, their, of their league's club. Uh, which would already put them above some of the lower uh, su- supported clubs in terms of membership. Um, yeah. I, I think I think that the, the lack of talent here in the NRL is is it comes down to two things. A, there's a lack of of premier coaches and halves. I think that's apparent. If you if you can get a good coach and a good half. I think you can you can build around that. You can you can build a forward pack. You can build outside backs um, around that, and perhaps full backs goes into that conversation. Um, and and B uh, the the other thing other thing to consider here is the depth with the the Roosters are, are a prime example that that depth is is a massive thing. The Roosters reserve grade side has gone out and is running yeah. four. This year, you can't tell me that there's a lack of ta- a lack of you know guys available. It's it's where they're playing. I'm sure if Melbourne sent out their reserve grade side every every week, they'd be a top four side too. Um, they're talking about where do we play Nico Hines? Like we don't have a spot for him. Literally, literally, like one of the guys that's been what top five, top ten guys in the league this year with Pappenhausen coming back, they might not be able to fit him into the seventeen. 
I think the talent is here, where where it is, and and uh, and and who you know gets them to put their their pen to paper. I think that's the problem uh, more so than than you know an actual lacking in depth, and and obviously coaching oh, and yeah. spine very important. Mm. Yeah, I agree, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see what they whom they decide, whether they make a decision. I kind of think the league probably has to. Their hands forced a little bit that, hey, we need to regenerate money and we need to generate interest. Uh, if the Redcliffe Dolphins have got $100 million lying around, they'll be like, yeah, we'll take some of that. <laughs> we'll definitely get a registration fee and we'll bring you in. Um, <laughs> but do you think a 17-league, 17 17-team 17 comp makes sense? Do you think no, I think, I think you have to think about going to 18 after that. And I, I think probably the, the most viable option there is New Zealand, um, tr- trying to get a second Kiwi side. Time will tell, you know, maybe this is just a bunch of hoopla and uh, we'll, we see what happens out of it. Uh, the, the other thing that we haven't mentioned with Redcliffe, and I don't know how it will work with, with Q Cup, um, but, but trying to buy into the Sunshine Coast market, um, so they're proposing to have some games at uh, at Morton Daly Stadium there, which we've seen awesome. You know, the league's club backs onto it, an unreal uh, beer garden and bistro to, to watch the game. If they could throw a few more, um, you know, uh, seats around that and make it into a really nice suburban ground. But if they were able to tap into that Sunshine Coast market as well and make it, you know, sort of a, uh, a Morton Bay or, or you know, North Brisbane, uh, Sunshine Coast kind of team, you'd think that the, that the backing and, and support is there. And, and the counter argument goes for, for Ipswich and, and if they do merge with, with the Firehawks, that Western corridor that they talk about, uh, you know, between Brisbane and Toowoomba and the Darling Downs, rugby league mad, heartland, uh, a lot of people there and Ipswich, um, is, is staged for high population growth. I think I think the market's there. It's just whoever's going to come up with with the money. And and to be honest, the way that Volandis runs things, I think it wouldn't be surprising in the next few years where we're talking about one of these extra teams. Yeah, yeah, I agree definitely. Mm. So so quick other notes. Uh, speaking of money, of course, um, Big Mal. Unfortunately, since there's no international footy, they're talking about uh, giving him a significant pay cut. It's about 450k to be the Australian coach. That could go down to 125k. Um, so no World Cup this year as well, so maybe they'll push that out until next year. And then when that happens, he'll get his pay. He'll come back up. But at the moment, it looks like a big pay cut. Um, there was chat during the week about rule changes to kicking the ball out and being a um, that seven again, uh, which again another stupid idea. Um, yeah, rule changes. Yeah. There's some chat that we're going to even try and trial that this week, and I was just, oh my god, why, why are you making these changes in round twenty? Again, this goes back Getting to the, the finals. This goes back to the politicians trying to get you know re-elected next fucking election next week. <laughs> you need to think about the long-term picture here, guys. We can't be fucking around with rules two weeks out from the finals. Like, like we we like both sports. We like the AFL, we like the NRL, and we like foreign codes. And all this, you know, every single week trying to tinker with it, it's it's beyond a joke. Fuck off. Like, like if if you want to implement something like this, 
Do it in a trial game. Do it in a New South Wales Cup season. We've spoken ad nauseum about that. We've been calling it the bumhole league since round 12, and it has nothing to improve on it. Do they just come up with this shit and you're like, come on, man. You're you're coming into finals. There should be enough interest and and rhetoric around, can anyone beat Melbourne or or will they go on to be, you know, the most successful, uh, you know, club season ever seen, that that should be enough interest rather than, oh, should we, should we bring in this fucking moronic rule? That's that's that that's just you can see what they're trying to do. Let's just try and get bring yeah, in more yeah. fatigue, let's try and get more points, you know. Oh mate. That's it. That, that's enough more point, more that's points enough for me. I hope we don't hear anything about this this supposed rule change for a while. Well last thing I'm gonna say about that. Last thing I'm going to say about that is there's about, what, like six teams vying for that eighth spot in the finals. Imagine if you get into the eight or get out of the eight based on a rule change like this two weeks out. (laughs) To be honest, give them credit. I don't think it would be implemented this week. I think they've got more sense than that. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about it in the pre-season next year. Here's a question for you. Of those, I think there's only now three teams. You probably, there's other... Well, what, what happened in the Raiders, Raiders uh, Warriors? Because that's. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, if how many games do you think the eighth place team have won? Uh, eight, maybe. Yeah, they've won nine currently. Um, yeah. Nine from twenty-two, and you make finals, like. Yeah, it, it's top heavy, man. It's uh, it's very top heavy this year in the NRL, and and when we preview this week's, uh, this week's games. We'll, we'll discuss, uh, you know, you may as well put your house on a few of these teams winning 13 plus. It's, it's, it's a non-factor. So you want some results? Uh, so of course, yeah. the game last night was Newcastle Gold Coast, which ended up being a great game. Newcastle Excellent won that 15 yeah. 14, mm-hmm. which Pierce, I think, kicked a field goal right at the end, um, to put, give them the lead, um, which then cements themselves at seven. They're three games clear of the guys in eighth. Uh, the Warriors were up 16 to nothing against the Raiders. The Raiders won 28-16. Wow. Right. So they run away. They come back to the, to the milk. Yeah. Uh, mm. you got here Matt Frawley playing number seven. Uh, when he starts as number seven for the Raiders, he has not lost a game yet. So, really? <laughs> yeah, he keeps winning. Because he, he <laughs> came off the bench last week. They lost. But he didn't start. So every time he starts for the Raiders, they win. Yeah. Mm. There's a bit of that there. But they, I think, uh, looking at the ladder, are still outside looking in. They should be uh, live so they, they should be eighth, but then when, when the other games come through, they might drop out. But yeah, uh, so they've kept alive, and, and the Warriors' mm. mathematical chance is now gone. Yes. Yeah, so they're in 22. With the goal case losing, they're now on 20, so they've dropped down. Um, Sharks are on 22 as well, but they still have to play. On the flip side, uh, Roosters and Souths. Uh, Souths are currently winning that game 26 to 6, I think it was. 24 to 6. 24, yeah. Uh-huh. So, Man, I, you, you won't hear this out of a Dragons fan too much, but fuck, I, I actually feel sorry for, for, for the Chooks. <laughs> I'll send you boys yeah. a, a, a 13 blokes that was unavailable for this game, you know, by position. Uh, you know, whether it be through season-ending injury, uh, injury-induced retirement, suspension. The team that, that I sent you is, uh, I think Fox League uh, shared it, 
is is close to a premiership winning side. Um, so so the fact that they're still you know fourth uh, and and will have have an impact in finals is a testament to what they're doing uh, over there in Bondi. Um, South, uh, Josh Mansour, he's, uh, he's probably done for the year with that MCL that we saw last year, depending on how deep they go, uh, come finals. Uh, um, back for them and he did score the first try after four. Oh, there, so there, you there you go. There you go. Four for the year and still the leader. I think, I know he had 25, it's two ahead of Adoka. What did we find was the NRL era record? Was it 27? believe so. It was just under 30. We have looked, have looked at it before. Monks, if you wouldn't mind just chasing that up, the NRL era record is definitely in danger here with uh, with Johnson and Addo Carr having a sniff here. Um, boys, do, you'd think the the uh, the way that the Roosters are looking with their injuries, that they, they can't win a comp this year. It's probably a four-horse race, and really it's can Manly, Penrith, and South beat Melbourne on their day? Yeah, agree. That's it. Yeah. So, who'd you boys tip? I actually picked Newcastle, Canberra, and Souths, so I'm looking good at the moment. Uh, what about you, lads? I I tipped the Titans uh, on on Thursday night. I was only a point off. Um, I thought playing for their season um, that. Uh, that they, they actually went with a, a different uh, spine combination in dropping Ash Taylor, uh, bringing bringing in um, young Jaden Campbell. Uh, I thought that might have given him a little bit of flair. Wasn't far off, so I missed my tip there. And then yeah, I, I tipped the milk and South. Yeah, um, I shot myself in the foot. I didn't put my tip in, uh, <laughs> so I've gone Titans. Did you get tonight though? Yep, I did get tonight. tonight. I did tonight. Okay. get tonight. I realised last night, and I don't know how I didn't get my AFL tips in, to be honest, yesterday, but I realised last night, just as the game started, that I hadn't put my tips in. Um, yes, I'm unfortunately going on Titans there. I did go with the Raiders and currently with the uh, with Souths as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that uh, NRL era, um, oh, actually, this is a regular season record of, yeah, actually a regular season record of 25 tries. Held by Nathan Blacklock. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. Mm. We had yeah had discussed yep. that on the SQ before. Former uh, St George legend there in in Nathan Blacklock. So with that try, Johnson should go to twenty five. Uh, with with uh, a yeah. game Actually, in hand. Next yeah, week. he he shares that with um, Reese Wesser and Brett Morris. Sorry. Right. Right. Yep. So three one high and. You'd imagine with a, a, a game and a half to go, Alex Johnson's going to get his mitts on that record. Well, he's got Adam Carr right behind him as well. So true. Yeah, both, true. Both, both could um, consider. And the way Parramatta's defending at the moment, uh, we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe the Fox will uh, will also be there or thereabouts. Boys, uh, I think we rolled through these two uh, first games on Saturday pretty quickly. Uh, my Dragons uh, and, and Monk's Dragons go up against the North Queensland Cowboys. The battle of two clubs on pretty reasonable losing streaks. Uh, the Dragons have lost six on the trot uh, and the Cowboys ten in a row. Uh, I remember their last win because I had a little win uh, on the punt on it. It was that Val Holmes uh, field goal from, from uh, over 40 metres, a two-pointer against the Warriors. It was in May, boys. <laughs> Cast your minds back to May. 
It's a I fucking long season. <laughs> I don't think there was a case of coronavirus in in Australia. I think there was there was full crowds at every game. It was like a different world. <laughs> Completely different um, so, time. Yeah. Pick, pick the dragons. I picked the Dragons. I their favourites. Uh, they got Freddie Lussick, uh, who's been loaned out by the Roosters. Again, testament to their depth that they can be as busted up as they are, and they're still loaning us a, a, a hooker, which is good because uh, we've, we've got no Andrew McCulloch or Ben Hunt uh, available. Uh, so that actually gives us a nine. Josh McGuire was playing nine last week. Um, and uh, I am worried about this because the Cowboys have Jason Taumalolo back. They've got Murray Tulungi, Kyle Felt back, and uh, Hamiso Tabuai Fido. He come back last week. He'll play one. Uh, I've, I've gone with the Dragons just because I support them, um, but I'm not that confident. And also, who gives a fuck? Yeah, uh, I think I know. I'm pretty sure who Mark's going to pick, so I'm going to put the curse on him. And I picked him as well. Is this with one game the the Cowboys win? Um, just a, just a spite you for the rest of the season because they haven't won a game since um, barbecue of Vornies. So yeah, barbecue barbecue of Vornies, boys. I hope those steaks were good. Yeah. So <laughs> I picked the Dragons, but now I think about it, this will be the game the Cowboys win to finish their season off. So. Yeah, I'm, that, I'm getting big vibes from that, Sean. But I, I didn't want to Judas my own side. So monks, I imagine we're uh, we've yeah. put a, a, an esky curse on here. We have, we have. Is that the first for tonight as well? Oh, Besides, well, this is games the are already being played. Yeah, this is the Dragons. True. Um, yeah, I put the curse on them. They are favourites leading into the match. A dollar seventy-one. The Cowboys are out two dollars fifteen at the moment, so not that heavy. And the line is only two and a half. Good. Then we got Cronulla taking on Brisbane. That's the next game. Yeah. Run us through that. I'm just going to go for a quick wee break, but you run us through. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't going to say much about it. A couple of blokes with injuries, um, absolute nothing game. Well, Cronulla need to win to maintain, or they need to win to get back into the eighth spot, knock the Raiders back out. Mm-hmm. Um, I have actually picked the Sharkies. I thought the Sharkies would do this um, against the Brisbane team, even in Suncorp. Brisbane just stink, and Cronulla are better. I'm not sure about Cronulla and how the um, – uh, Dugan during the week getting his 50k fine for another COVID breach going out. Um, I think he drove someone. He drove someone through a, 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 a hotspot, um, got caught and got a second breach, got 50k. And Adam Elliott, I think the other breach he got, does say here? I think he got 10k and was going to be stood down for the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, just right. being, being silly, being silly things. Bye, pressure ups. Thanks. Yeah, that's it. Um, who have I gone here? I went with the Sharks as well. Um, yeah, I guess Brisbane season's sort of been done um, for a while now. Um, yeah. yeah, they're not really playing for anything, so... They have improved on last year. They got the spoon last year, and they're in 14th currently, so better That's than two true. teams. <laughs> That's true. Um, and, yeah, with some of the player movements that they've had, they haven't really got too many people, players on the field left who, yeah, um, I don't know, there's, there's not too much else to say about that. Um, I'm assuming perhaps would have gone Sharks as well. I think so, with their season online. Well, say so he did. If he didn't, it's his own fault. <laughs> That's it. Well, one way or another, we may or may not have put 
the curse on the Sharks, um, who are favourites at the moment at $1.55. Broncos are out at $2.45. Um, and the line is four and a half. It's not a close um, game of footy, but I doubt it. That's it. Yeah. And like I, you said. Just confirming uh, Cronulla Sharks here. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Uh, like you said, Sean, finals are on the line for them, so they'll be playing to win, uh, whereas Brisbane haven't really got too much to play for, I guess, other than pride. I just saw it here and I just thought I'd bring it up. How many games do you think Canterbury won this year? How many do you think they've lost? <laughs> 20. Two and 20. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, yeah. we'll get to them in a minute. Let's talk about one of the better games. Um, some Melbourne Storm going up against the Pretenders. Uh, <laughs> the Dave Grohls in Parramatta, who have now fallen down to sixth. Um, Melbourne did lose to Parra in week uh, two, round two. Um, yeah. So Storm probably out for a little bit of revenge. Plus, they're going for the streak, uh, the yep. 20, 20 wins, uh, the outright record for them. Uh, Para broke their four game losing streak over the very, very terrible Cowboys, but they did lose Mike Osivo for the rest of the year. Confirmed ACL, um, had surgery, uh, ruptured ACL as well as MCL damage. That's pretty bad. So his season done and he'll be deep in the next year before we see him again. So yeah, hopefully, good rehab. Devastating there, uh, you know, one of the, one of the better finishes in the game. Uh, so wishing Michael all the best with his recovery. Um, the odds on this, boys, may shock you. We've got the first uh, side going up against the sixth side. And Munce, you got them there? I think Melbourne's less than yeah. a goal ten. I do have him here. Do you want to go odds first? And Oh, Mel- well, yeah. Melbourne. We're all picking well, Melbourne. Sorry. Yeah, we're yeah. all picking Melbourne. Um, Melbourne. Like, well, come on. <laughs> True. So Melbourne are a dollar seven. Uh, Eels are out at nine dollars. We've got a line as well of twenty two and a half. Total match points. Twenty two and a half is the line between a first and sixth matchup. That speaks volumes of where this yeah. league is at at the moment. On Do top of the problem is, I think that's cash money. Get them on that. Like they should, <laughs> they should, they should put thirty plus on them. Start they the game. Should. Parramatta 22, Melbourne 0, and uh, and watch them rain it in. Mate, I don't That's think it. you're far off. I don't think you're far off the chockies there. No. Well, um, yeah, total match points are 49.5. Um, the Storm also do see get on it. Um, Jerome Hughes, Justin Ollum. Um, who else? Brandon Smith back. They're all so, in yeah. They're 100% healthy at the right yeah, time. Like yeah, come, exactly. come, coming into finals, they've got their, their full 17. And as we mentioned before, a side that's so good that Nico Hines may have to prove himself to play finals football. Yeah. I think he makes a good 14. Like, he probably put him on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's I suppose, anywhere mm. in the back line. But. Well, and then the argument against that is if you've got Harry Grant and Brandon Smith available, one of them has to go to the bench, and then you've only got two big forwards. And his game last week was uh, dynamic for the Storm, so mm. I'll put him in. And- it's there's to lose, mate. It's definitely there's to So Smith slots in at nine, and then you've got Grant at 14, and Hines is bumped to 17. Yeah. So yeah. so I suppose the concern is coming into finals is can can you operate with uh, with two, uh, you know, middle slash edge forwards there if you're – Rolling with a, a nine and a utility or a hooker and a utility on the bench, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Why not matter if you're putting 50 points on every team you play? So, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's interesting it. now that I look at this since they come into the, their 20-match win streak. So what did they start? They started one and two. And then yeah, they, one and two, yeah. And I, I believe, and I don't know if you guys are into omens, uh, but the, the, the Roosters side in 1975 that, that did uh, win that 19 in a row and that the Storm are trying to eclipse this weekend, uh, they started one and two. So It's all signs. They, and they <laughs> won out from there. Yeah, the, the omen. Mm. <laughs> all right, boys, let's, let's fly through Sunday because let's be honest, uh, phew. Yeah, I, I hope I hope there's some good Paralympics action going on on Sunday because I don't think these two <laughs> games will uh, be too exciting in terms of how close they are. Manly take on Canterbury up up at that Morton Daly Stadium, uh, the possible home okay. of NFL uh, NRL side in the in the Redcliffe Dolphins or some kind of iteration of that. Uh, Manly actually got tested last week without Tommy Turbo against the Raiders. Alas for Seagulls fans, uh, the Turbo is back this week. Uh, I don't know why. That, that was the one match I got wrong last week. For I would have had three perfect rounds. Yeah, <laughs> so three in a that's, that's nuts. That's nuts. The fact that you you are twenty three out of twenty four of your of your last tips, and the one that you got wrong was a Smoky. It yeah. wasn't. Uh, <laughs> wasn't so. Um, very, very close to being three perfect rounds in a row. Uh, we mentioned Adam Elliott uh, getting stood down. Not much in that. Uh, as Homer Simpson would say, boring. Uh, little, little, I mentioned it right. Keep going. Yeah, a bit of a smooch. Who cares? Um, yeah, Manly win this convincingly. I imagine we all tip Manly, and I think the line might be more interesting than uh, the head-to-head here, Monks. Yeah. Yeah, I've gone yeah, Manly as well. Yeah, obviously as well. Sorry, <laughs> the odds. I'll start with the odds. Uh, Manly are favourite a dollar and two cents. Bulldogs two are sixteen. Two cents. Two cents. So you got a, I don't know, lazy million sitting around. You might make some money, but other than well, that, it, as you mentioned earlier in the show, you're down three percent on your Bitcoin. <laughs> if you just put this game, <laughs> you might be able to be up two percent. That's a five percent swing, brother. That is, that is, that's that's good chat actually. <laughs> uh, the line for the match is thirty-one and a half with total match points of fifty-four and a half. So yep. expecting game. the dogs to um, put up some tries, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, as we've been saying all year, the plus thirteen—that's where it's at. <laughs> oh, God. a little bit more than plus thirteen. <laughs> what's what's thirteen plus here? It's probably what a dollar twenty, if if that. For, for Manly. Again, the, the, the state of this league right now, we talk about expansion, and again, I think you couldn't do worse than, than like a, a Canterbury's going this year, but, uh, it's, it's hard, isn't it? As a, if you're, you know, if it's not one of your teams playing, if it's not a, if it's not a Raiders or it's not a Dragons or it's not one of the premier sides in the league, like a, like a Melbourne or a Penrith or a South going, Going at it, I don't. I don't want to watch this. I'd. I'd rather. I'd rather look up a, a YouTube video of um of uh, some kind of bloke kills innocent puppy. Uh, you know, because that's what this is. There's, there's it's less of a slaughter. This is a it's less dark yeah, hole diving right, down there. That's now. right. YouTube <laughs> man takes lamb to slaughter and slits its throat. 
that 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 is what's going to happen in both these games this weekend. Uh, I was going to say if there's NFL uh, preseason games you could be watching, but yeah, man, manslaughter's a little out. Like we go that way. Yeah, interesting, Sean. But by that time in the afternoon, I uh, think they'll be done. Those games. No, there's uh, plenty of games you could rewatch. So. True. Yeah. Um, yeah anyway. So, so long story short, I think we all Man, Manly, Manly all plus thirteen is a dollar yeah. fourteen. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's a big hey, free money, free money. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Better than Monks' Bitcoin portfolio. <laughs> for for Manly, you know, besides Alex Johnson and uh, Addo Carr, the next three top try scorers are all from Manly. Which is ridiculous, isn't it? It's uh, Ruben Gary, well, Tommy Turbo, Ruben Gary, Jason Saab. So to have yeah. three of the top five try scorers in the uh, in the league this year. A testament to the way that the Seagulls have been able to turn their season around. After, after a really mediocre start, you cast your minds back way, way back in the year, 0-4. Yeah. Uh, so who would have thought we'd be talking about them possibly being a contender for, uh, for, for taking out the, uh, the NRL, uh, premiership in 2021. Final game we got, of course, is Penrith taking on West. I'm pretty sure we all picked Penrith. What's really good for Penrith is that they're getting healthy as well. We've got Toto, mm-hmm. James Fisher, Harris, both to return this week, um, which is what they need because they need to get that form. They have won the last two games, I think, on the trot. Mm-hmm. Um, so they as well getting red hot leading into the finals, healthy as well. Uh, we talked about this. It's storms to win. Penrith, and then get back to where they were at the start of the year. They're the only ones that can probably really compete with them. Dark Horse being Manly. Don't think the other teams are going to push them. I'll throw South in that conversation. I still think South on their day maybe, maybe can, can push a Melbourne. Uh, Penrith, Penrith looked like old Penrith. They looked like that, that side that started the year 14 and 0 or, or whatever it was. Nathan Cleary back to his best and they only get bolstered this week by Toto and, uh, James Fisher Harris coming back into the side. Some sad news for the West Tigers with Adam Dewey, probably hands down their best player this year. Uh, he's done his ACL confirmed. Uh, there was hopes around, uh, the injury initially that it might have been something less, uh, less, um, severe. Turns out it's an ACL. Poor bloke. He's been a shining light at that club this year. Uh, again, I imagine it's all Penrith tips here and uh, the odds and the 13 plus. I mean, the the line and the 13 plus might be more interesting than the head-to-head odds themselves. Yeah, yeah. So obviously Panthers are favourites a dollar and three cents at the moment. So I Ooh, put my money. That's a bit yeah. more than the previous game. Exactly, exactly, um, exactly opposite to my port, crypto portfolio. <laughs> Target out at 13 bucks at the moment. The line is 29 and a half, and we've got a Panthers plus 13 at a dollar 14 again. Well, that'll wrap up our NRL chat for this week, boys. I think. Unless, have you got anything to add there, Sean? Uh, I'm done with the NRL. Let's talk about the yeah, NFL. Early news. And talk about some of their preseason games. Let me just put this on. Oh, there you go. The, the Denver Broncos have back. Look, yeah, boys, I, I'm really, I'm really excited for the NRL finals. But they, it's may like you may as well not even bother with these last few rounds. Like seriously, the hey, if they expand the league like they're planning to, make the season shorter, twenty rounds. Yeah. Let's go to that. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, if you if you get to a point where there's 18 teams or, or 20 teams, perhaps in the future, maybe everyone plays each other once. Make sure every game's important um, in in terms of uh, the the implications for the end of the year and and get on with the finals and play play everyone around yeah. once. Have three, say your most, you know, your your rivals play them uh, twice, and yeah, there's there's your schedule. Job done. Beautiful. So what is it? 20. Four games in total with two buys. Yeah, twenty-four games. So with the with a with a buy, uh, round twenty-five will do us next weekend. Yeah, it's uh, it's a long year, you know. We have state of origin, and uh, there won't be any international games. It seems at the end of this season. But uh, if you if you were a state of origin and Australian representative, you're looking at thirty plus games uh, in in one of the most physically demanding sports in the world. Uh, I tend to agree. As a spectator uh, and for for players, you'd imagine uh, a shorter season uh, might might be worth considering in the future. Yeah, well, put it this way: um, if you're the Storm, to make the finals, you only need to win nine games. So don't play the first um, sixteen and just show up for the finals. So show up for we'll play the last nine, win all nine, and then we'll make it in the finals. So what's the point of the first first half of the season? It's drawn out. It is. It is a touch drawn out. Anyways, a season where every uh, or a sport, I should say, where every single game counts to the point that we're talking about the fucking preseason is uh, is the NFL. Uh, we had five straight nights of games here, boys. Uh, the Patriots and the Eagles were the first. Uh, was the first cab off the ranks. Um, a really interesting battle here between Cam Newton and Matt Jones. For that starting quarterback position, did anything change our minds here as to who might be starting week one? Obviously, uh, the news came out this week that Cam had to miss a few days from from uh, from training due to some uh, COVID uh, breach in protocol. But I think he is available for for the game this weekend. Well, that that amongst, that'd be worth finding out if he actually is available. Because some chat that Mac Jones might play predominantly a lot of this game. And if he has another excellent showing like he did in the last one, maybe that puts him over the hump and they actually start with him over Cam, uh, which would be interesting. The other big kind of news was with the, the excellent competition they're having at running back, uh, Sonny Michelle kind of ended up being the odd man out. So he's been mm. traded to the Rams, who do need running back help after Henderson, I think, has got a dealing with an ankle injury. So, yeah. And they've got Cam, a- Akers, Cam Akers scratched uh, from training camp with a, within Achilles and then Henderson's kind of touch and go. Uh, I think the Rams really did well in, in this one. I think they gave up a fifth and a sixth round pick uh, for Sony Michelle, who was a former first round pick. And in that 2019 playoffs, uh, which, which led to the Super Bowl against the Rams, coincidentally, uh, he was on fire. I think he had six touchdowns in in that playoff run, uh, and then he he's actually going over to LA. Uh, I think the uh, the fantasy implications here are quite interesting. Do you think Sony goes over to to LA and becomes the the feature back? Uh, I don't think they'll do the feature. I don't think Sony Michelle's designed to be the feature back. Mm. Uh, I think the biggest implication is like Henderson. I think's the guy they'll give the ones and twos to, and then Sony Michelle comes in in third down. So you're narrowing the position where you're in a committee versus Henderson getting 250 touches this year. Maybe it's down down to 200 or 180 and then Shoney's getting the remainder of that. So mm. then it probably hurts Henderson's value more than it helps Sony's. Um, 
yeah, could maybe bring him up, but yeah, it just means there's one less, uh, you know, high tier kind of running back that's going to get bulk touches this year. That's the way I think of it for, for this coming in. And you know what, what it cemented home for me is Ramondre Stevenson, their rookie running back. He has got a spot this year on the Pats. He had 15 carries for 66 yards and two touchdowns. I think he will uh, make this 53-man squad, especially given the news this week of uh, Sony Michelle getting moved to Los Angeles. The Eagles twos, they were dreadful. This game finished 35 to zip. Uh, we didn't see Jalen Hurts. We saw Devonta Smith. Tummy bug, I think, for Hurts. He was meant to play, and then he had tummy bug. Um, had to go to hospital. Um, not COVID-related. Um, he seems to be right, so he'll probably play this week. Um, Devonta Smith... Uh, looks really crisp in his routes. He had two drops. Um, when I saw, actually saw these throws, uh, I'd say it's more on Joe Flacco than it was on Devontae's. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but it looks like Smith's going to be their wide receiver number one. They don't really have any, too many other options out there, um, to, you know, to compete against him. So look for Hertz and Smith to be the big combination, uh, coming out of Philly. Moving so, on. Yeah. I'm, go for it. Yeah, as I was going to say, moving on to the uh, Chiefs and the Cardinals, we actually saw Patrick Mahomes play nearly a, a whole first half here. Uh, he had 10 uh, completions from 18 passes, 78 yards, and, and an intercept. Uh, very unusual in the way that different coaches and different teams are approaching this. Uh, some teams, we haven't seen any of their starters at all. And, you know, it doesn't matter if, you, if you're a defensive tackle or if if you're the starting quarterback uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs and the most talented, arguably, player in the league. So Paddy played played uh, nearly the whole first half uninjured, which is great to see. Um, and, uh, and they just got home here in this game against the Cardinals. Uh, uh, do you boys make much of the Travis Kelsey memes? He's had a shave, and uh, the memes were going a bit ballistic. Uh, a, a lot of it, uh, kind of, uh, alluding to the old Travis with the, with the designer beard and the, um, you know, the earring as to, you know, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't let, uh, you wouldn't let, uh, that, that old Travis take your, your daughter out. But, uh, you know, new Travis looks like a bloke that he, he'll get her home by nine, sir. Thanks, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, Kels now looks like a 40-year-old man, so. Weird, isn't it? It's, yeah, so he's normally shaving makes you look younger. Yeah, he's gone, well, yeah. he's gone from this, you know, hip model kind of look, you know, you know, the professional athlete, really cool, suave, whatever you want to say, throw those yeah. words in. And then he's just like, he just looks like the suburban dad now, so. Doesn't he? I, the, probably the best meme that I saw was, uh, Travis Kelsey now looks like Will Ferrell playing Travis Kelsey in a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I agree with that. I, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> that was really the only major news that came out of this game because I think the rest of it was all twos and there wasn't a huge, huge amount going oh, yeah. on. Kyler Murray yeah, didn't play so twos. Kyler played just the one drive. Uh, it was Colt McCoy and uh, Chris Streveler there for the cards. Boys, uh, a bit off the cuff here, but what do we think about the cards in the NFC West? I think on paper, uh, they've definitely got the talent to win that division this year. Thoughts? Their biggest problems, I think, is the stuff that's probably happening off-field slash around the team, like Chandler Jones with his trade request, and then there's the whole uh, um, DeAndre Hopkins and 
uh, vaccination policy for him and potentially he might not play the season. Don't think yeah. it's that, but you know, we still are considerate. Um, yeah, uh, electric. Nuke so. Hopkins probably being the most high profile, um, anti-vax player this season. So if he, if he sits out, I suppose, you know, you're talking about a top three receiver in the NFL. Uh, not playing, uh, that might, may have some implications. But, uh, yeah, on, on paper, it's sort of, uh, that external noise. They look pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously a tough division for them to, to compete in, but they've always sort of just been there. So mm. always an opportunity. Yeah. For, for mine, I think on paper, I think they're better than the, than the 49ers and, and maybe maybe the Seahawks. I think the Rams' defense is highly touted this year, and with the addition of Stafford, I think mm. I think it's the Cardinals and the Rams going at it in the NFC West. Yeah, I agree. Mm. So then we had uh, Bengals taking on the football team in a bit of a snooze fest. Um, Joe Burrow didn't really play. Well, we didn't play in this. He warmed up. Uh, Brendan mm. Allen, former Broncos quarterback, um, took the first half. Uh, but the big story really out of this was Jamar Chase, um, the fifth yeah. round pick, having a real struggles with drops at the moment. So, yeah, 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 three <laughs> drops in this game, all on third down. Uh, you know, crucial, crucial times to be coming up with a catch. Uh, the internet was not kind to Jamar Chase here. I, I did see some memes along the lines of uh, Jamar uh, could could go out in a COVID. Uh, infested area, no mask, no vaccination. Don't worry, he won't catch anything. <laughs> Washington on the flip side, That's Fitzpatrick harsh. seven of thirteen for ninety six, and Antonio Gibson had a, was pretty good as well. Had a few carries, few catches. Landon Collins actually came back from an Achilles tear that he had week seven twenty twenty. So that's good news for mm. them. Um, and they had an undrafted running back in Hatchison who was heavily involved in this. I'm not sure he might make the team later on, but they still have JD McKissick and um, a few other options there too. Um, yep. The top of the team looks good. I think they've got some good options there. It'll be interesting to see what they look like with a, the full squad, but that's really any news from there. The Bills Bears game, on the other hand, had some interesting news. Mitch Trubisky uh, up against his former team uh, went 20 of 28 for 221 yards and one touchdown. His first four drives all ended up in touchdowns. Bills did score 41 points to absolutely smoke the Bears. Um, the, it's it's too slow for me. Justin Fields uh, was 9 of 19 and 80 yards. He did have 46 run yards, but he absolutely got murdered um, when they left a the defensive end or outside linebacker unblocked, and he just killed the man. Absolutely tattooed himself on Justin Fields. Yeah, again, so, you know how I was yeah. talking about the internet being unkind? Uh, the, the same thing here <laughs> He was considering he said the NFL was uh, slower than he had expected. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it seemed yeah. pretty. It seemed pretty quick there, young Justin. Brush, no brush it off. Brush it off. He got smacked. He lost his helmet, but uh, unaffected. He, he's tough. I, I, I said it last week. I'm a big fan of Justin Fields. Um, I hope he succeeds this year. Andy Dalton went out there. He uh, completed 11 passes from 17. 146 yards, a touchdown and an intercept. And a lot of the, a lot of the news, uh, seems to be that Dalton will be getting the starting job week one. I don't know if that's just a bit of noise coming out of Chicago. Uh, you'd imagine that Fields, uh, takes the starting role, God, within the first four weeks. Yeah. I'd say within the first month. Um, yeah. yeah. To his, 
to his credit, he did lead rushing for the entire game at 46 yards. <laughs> it's probably more a reflection of Bill's. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> I, I think that, that, that speaks volumes to uh, where the uh, Chicago offensive line and their running backs are at, especially their, their second their second line uh, at that. Uh, the Jets and the Packers. The Jets come away with the preseason win here against the Pack. Uh, Zach Wilson looked pretty good on the four series that he played. He was nine from 11, 128 yards and two touchdowns, if you don't mind. Uh, Corey Davis looks to have found a, a spot there uh, one. at the New York Jets. And so does Tyler Croft, uh, the, the ex-Bengals tight end. He had two uh, touchdown receptions. Uh, a big loss for the Jets was losing Carl Lawson to an Achilles rupture. Uh, he kind of shook it off a bit on his on his socials. He said it's just like a flesh wound. Uh, he has torn both ACLs before, so no stranger to a long time uh, in in rehabilitation. Uh, we're wishing him all the best for his recovery. Uh, I looked up um, his his uh, his his measurables. How's this, boys? Four point six seven. Uh, so pretty close to wide receiver speed off the edge and 30, 35 reps of 225 pounds on the bench. I was thinking about what I could do, 35 reps. I think the bar, I think, I think if, if you gave me the bar with, with no weight on either side, I think right. I'd get to 35. That's no guarantee. That's no guarantee. Well, he, he was their massive off season signing, um, coming across from Cincinnati. So that's a bit of a loss of him. Um, well, and for the franchise as well, I think they paid the man a fair bit of, bit of money as well. So I expect the, J- uh, the Jets to um, stink a little bit, I'd say, on the defense. Um, what's interesting, and I just just double-checked that Zach Wilson and Trey Lance still don't get stats on NFL.com. Um, they don't exist currently. Um, I guess it's because they're rookies or whatever. You can't find their stats on the site, which is hilarious. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, Usual. Yeah. But I, what was really interesting um, – because these two uh, clubs train together um, during the week, um, doing that the, the cross cross camp um, collaboration. But it was cool to see Wilson and uh, Rogers kind of picking each other's brains and um, showing their the, the the young kid on the block with the the old head and Rogers. Uh, be interesting to see how that goes. Of course, there's no Rogers, no Jordan Love in this game um, for the pack. It was, it, it was very much a, a twos outfit for for the um, the Packers in this one. You saw a little bit of Eric Stokes. Uh, he had a few series, the first round uh, cornerback pick there. Uh, but yeah, hard hard to gauge what what this loss uh, to the Jets really meant. I'll tell you what was confusing. Uh, Amari Rogers, the the third round draft pick wide receiver, was in the box score there, and I thought, oh geez. Hey, Rogers, it, it took me away, and then I thought, oh, no, 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 hang on, hang on a second. It, it's, it's, uh, they actually drafted a receiver, and uh, his name is Amari Rogers. So there'll be two A. Rogers lining up this year for the Green Bay Packers. He might need to play a bigger role because uh, Functious as well on injured reserve season done, um, unfortunately for him. I was just double-checking to see what he actually had done, old Devon. Um uh, yeah, that's a bit of a loss for them. He came across last year, I think. Um, yeah, ex-Carolina receiver there. And a lot of the noise has always been who will be the second receiver for, for Green Bay. You've got this Devontae Adams, you know, arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. 
who's going to be the number two guy. Last year, Lazard and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling were kind of going at it. They brought in Randall Cobb this year. They drafted Amari Rogers. It would be really nice to see someone stamp out that role and become a true wide receiver two in the NFL. Unfortunately for um, Devon, it was ongoing hamstring injuries. So he's missed most of last year and he's going to miss this year too because of that, which is unfortunate. Right. Yeah. So uh, Ravens and Panthers? Mm-hmm. Yep. So Ravens, Ravens continue their preseason streak, unbeaten, 19 in a row. Unreal. Um, Panthers, on the other hand, uh, Panthers going to Panther. <laughs> We're interested to see what their team looks like. It's hard to say now. No, You want to see what CMC looks like coming off his injury, coming into the season, how that's going to all play out. Uh, but he won't play any preseason game, I wouldn't think. So Ty Huntley played the whole game at quarterback, 24 of 34, 187 yards, one interception. Um, plenty of touches for the backup running backs, but you don't expect them um, to be doing too much uh, for the Ravens um, with um, – J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards there. Will Gallier, 11 of 40, 1,444 yards, did outperform Philip Walker, um, who was one of eight um, for eight yards at quarterback, which I think is a bit of a bit of a letdown for the old PJ. Yeah, we were talking last week about would PJ be pushing uh, for, for a starting position there against Sam Darnold. I think that this game put that to bed, no. Uh, PJ will be lucky to make this this squad, uh, let alone let alone be starting there. You imagine Sam Darnold is lining up in a few weeks in the first yeah. game for Carolina. Um, yeah, not too much other than that to take out of that game. The Ravens are really, really, really good in preseason, uh, which is weird. Uh, possibly an insight into uh, Harbour's. Uh, Approach to preseason, playing a few more starters than than the other teams may. Um, the next game was Falcons and Dolphins. The Falcons passing game was fucking dreadful. Uh, again, bad team. Uh, yeah, it, it could be a long, long year for them. Uh, luckily, Carolina aren't much chop, but you'd imagine Tampa Bay and New Orleans are pretty good there in the NFC South. Um, yeah, no. Not 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 much uh, hope for for Atlanta Falcons fans this year. There has been some chat that potentially they maybe move Matt Ryan now. I don't think they can based on the deal and how much money he's got, but he's older. Trade him now, see if he gets some picks. You, you're in full rebuild essentially. Like we're gonna stink. Um, you know, let's. Uh, I'm not sure who the number one guy is, but let's push for that number one pick. Get rid of Matt Ryan. Get maybe another first rounder. Um, pushing to a team that could do with a veteran talent. So yeah, one round. I I'd don't be, think it'll happen. That happened now. I, I think if it, you know they've got one strength is is this veteran quarterback that's taken them to a Super Bowl and um, you know a blown lead away from from being Super Bowl champs. Um, I'd be surprised if that happens. But yeah, n- not a good time to be a, a fan of the Atlanta Falcons. It's, it's going to be a rough year, you'd imagine. Uh, the Dolphins, on the other hand, Tua Tungavailoa, he played a little bit. Um, it, well, actually, played played most of the first half. He looked pretty good. And I'll tell you what, his backup, Jacoby Brissett, looked pretty good too. And uh, watch out for newly acquired Malcolm Brown uh, from the Los Angeles Rams. 
He had 10 carries, 43 yards, one touchdown. I've got Miles Gaskin uh, that I could keep in, in our fantasy league, but I'm unsure this year about the impact that he might have given that they went out and took Malcolm Brown. I think it may be a two-headed horse there uh, for for the running back position uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Matt's been good for them as well, so they've got um, good running backs there. And Gaskin's mm-hmm. issues being the health of as well, so... Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes um, this year too. Uh, I expect he's probably going to get a lot of carries if he's healthy. Um, yeah, you'd so imagine. There's definitely mouths to feed, unfortunately, that offense. Speaking of mouths to feed, Titans taking on Bucks. Um, yeah, did you catch much of this, uh, Monks? The, there was a bit of a wild uh, joint practice leading up was. to it. There was. So there was a bit of a... A fight in the pra- joint practice. Um, Everyway champion, AB. Yeah, that's it. Um, as always, preseason training can always get a little bit heated because some players are obviously not expecting contact. Other players are... I mean, you've got a lot of players trying to fight for spots on teams. Um, it was appeared to have happened uh, during some one-on-one drills. Um so the fight was between Antonio Brown and Titans cornerback Jack Johnson, uh, Chris Johnson, not Jack Johnson, the singer. Um, yeah, good musician, actually. Uh, really yeah. nice acoustic music. Um, Very nice. Such uh, songs as uh, Banana Pancakes, uh, Taylor. Um, <laughs> get it together. That's it, that's it. But um, no, that's not stuff in the field. It made news, but it wasn't much in it. Nah. Um, Brown ended up just ended up um, skipping the rest of practice. I think he was sort of told to cool off. Um, there was another couple of scuffles. Um, I think the heat was just getting to a couple of the boys, and yeah, that was really it. Yeah, not a huge amount to talk about in this actual game. Tennessee did dominate, but mm-hmm. the interesting is Kyle Trusk, who I think is his second or third round pick for the for the Buccaneers. Um, third round, I think, but I, I think. He was only like the fifth or sixth yeah. quarterback taken out of his draft, so you'd imagine they've got some kind of interest in his long-term future. Uh, quite disappointing again, 13 of 26, 131 yards, two picks. Um, and, and a big one big one for, for the Titans in, in a coaching uh, point of view is Mike Rabel has got COVID. Um, you'd imagine he'd be close by week one to being back there, but they may have to go... Uh, first week without their head coach. Yeah, it's the second time he's got it as well. And I think the news today was about nine of the coaching staff have COVID at the moment. So, um, yeah, they're currently monitoring it, monitoring that situation. And then that brings into play all the different policies and the changing of the code practices and like what's working, what's not. And what are the, um, you know, the players association agreed to it's not working? Do we need to go back to daily testing? I think everyone kind of forgets that, yeah, most of these guys are vaccinated, but doesn't mean that you can't not catch it and yes. not spread it. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes and how that plays out through the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. At the moment, yeah, that's the big news for the Titans. Next game was Lions-Steelers. Uh, big Ben actually did play in this, and he looked really good, which is uh, yeah. uh, great for the Steelers. He did fade very hard towards the end of last year. He started the year well. So I have to see how he goes this year. He was 8 of 10, 137 yards, two touchdowns, had the big pump fake out, um, juking out the cameras. 
Uh, still yeah, that, uh, that done me. I, I was watching that. Someone sent it to me like, oh, you know, these cameramen, rah, rah. And I was like, <laughs> don't worry, the cameramen. I, I was looking in the back of the end zone for where that ball was. Those big mitts, big bends, big mitts. He, uh, he, he grips that football like it's a tennis ball. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and Steelers, all their ones played their first half, um, so all the big names were there. The interesting one, I think Clay, um, Chase Claypool is dealing with, I think, hamstring. He's been held out of late, um, but it, they've got a lot of mouths to feed in that offense especially, so it'll be interesting to see how that all goes. But Harris, um, being the lead back, he will get all the workload. So uh, he he will be leading that field definitely. Uh, no Jared Goff on the flip side for the Lions. Um, the Lions, I don't think, played too many ones in this at all, and nothing really to write home in their backups. Colts taking on Vikings. I think the big news, start with the Colts. Wentz and Nelson back at training. I think Wentz looks a lot better than Nelson has. Um, they're kind of managing Nelson a bit more. I guess you can say big boy on so, on ankle um, versus Wentz, who's definitely uh, got a 60, 70 kilos less. Well, not kilo, pounds. I'll, I'll talk stupid measurements. Um, both had surgery within like a couple of days of each other, so it's really interesting. Wentz wants to play week one. He's pushing for that. Um, I think there's yeah, the reason being behind that, like this was the team built for Andrew Luck to take the Super Bowl. Um, Philip Rivers took in the playoffs last year. They've got an awesome defense. They've got offensive talent. Wentz knows what the team kid's capable of, and they really need the quarterback. Um, mm. Yeah. Jacob uh, um, Eason, uh, not super impressive for them, um, but he did 16 of 27, 132, like solid, but he's no, he's no Wentz. And I hope well, Wentz at MVP level that he was at before he got injured, that's kind of what they want to get him back to. Um, Vikings, on the other hand, their offense, stinky without Kirk Cousins. Um, mm. I, did, I said last week I really like Cameron Moon. Um, but they did nothing this week, so nothing really right home for for the Vikings, unfortunately. It's a, it's Mond, isn't it? I think there's a it's a D on the end of it. That done me as well because uh, it looks like uh, the the end of um, the the name. Uh, yeah, I think it's Mond, Kellen Mond, mm. their, their their rookie pick. The uh, the thing for me is um, this seems really really rushed. For, for Carson and Nelson to be, they're talking about playing week one. Uh, I'd, I'd be very interested in, in what actually happened in these foot surgeries. Um, but it's yeah. The same injury. Mm. And um, there's been a bit hush hush about it as well into what's happening. But uh, yeah, it'd be very. A piece of bone that had broken loose in his foot. There's a lot, a lot that can happen in the foot. Yeah. Well, this Wentz, because I remember we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, his was an injury that he'd just been carrying since high school. It wasn't something necessarily that was um, obviously had to get surgery on it, but it wasn't something that um, was causing him too much pain or anything. So um, it sounds like they just opened him up, pulled out that bone fracture, and then sewed him back yeah. up again. So. Um, Maybe it's just nothing overly important. No. So I'm reading a report here. So um, he had surgery to remove a broken bone from his foot. Right. Took yeah. a shard out, which was causing him issues, sewed it back up, and it's obviously not a thing that is important that does joint movement or something like that, just a bit of extra support. Get away without it. Possibly, yeah. Like cutting off a toe or something. 
Yeah. Uh, the, the doctors on the ESCY here. So. Uh, let's talk about some Texans Cowboys and Cowboys yeah. Hard Knocks. Um, I think viewership for Hard Knocks has actually been a bit down this year, which is surprising considering it's Cowboys. America's team, yeah. I, I would have thought it would have been up, but there you go. Um, did you boys catch the uh, the episode of Hard Knocks? Yeah, had it on in the background. Mm. Yeah. A few few interesting stories to come out of it. Uh, the defensive line yeah. coach uh, for the Cowboys, he, he's a pom. He's uh, he's got a thick English accent, and it, it made me uh, ponder. Uh, maybe that's what we sound like when we're talking about American football, given our accents. Pretty much. <laughs> Good old skippy. You think we sound that sophisticated? <laughs> yeah, he probably has much more insight and uh, knowledge into the game, actually. So we yeah. probably sound worse. Maybe. Um, no, but he had a pretty cool story um, coming yeah. up playing um, in the NFL Europe League, um, then came across and did a couple of internships. I think one internship was at the Cowboys, then moved across to the Falcons, and then um, he was able to get the gig back at the Cowboys as a defensive line coach. So pretty cool story. Mm. Another, another cool story was uh, Azua Kamara. Uh, out of the Ivory Coast, he was a refugee uh, that uh, moved over to the States uh, courtesy of his mother moving their family over there. Undrafted out of Kansas, six foot four, two thirty five, so a little undersized uh, as a lo- outside linebacker. So he'll be trying to make the uh, the fifty three man roster there. Uh, he actually had he had a strip sack uh, last week. Against against the Cardinals, which which went back on a false start, and you know who the false start was against? The yeah. offense. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Try and work uh, that. Out. So so they couldn't decline the false start from the offense. It uh it yeah yeah right. uh, a bunch of garbage. I tell you, he looks really good, boys. And unfortunately, he's come down with a, a bit of COVID this week, but hoping he recovers well from that. CD Lamb boys, I, I think he's really he's really going to uh, put his name forward this year. He's his sophomore year, second year in the NFL. I think he'll start looking like a, a really premier receiver. He had he had seventy four receptions last year, nine hundred and thirty five yards for seven touchdowns. They're pretty good rookie numbers. I think what watch him push a hundred receptions this year. Yeah, I think this Cowboys team yeah. really relies on Dak, like, out of this game against the Texans. Texans stick. Texans are going to be one of the worst teams this year. Um, uh, Cowboys, on the flip side, they need to be better than they were last year. They need a healthy Dak. And if the healthy Dak is there, they can, they've can. they got all the weapons they can possibly imagine on offense. They've got a good offensive line. The defense is improving. They've got two new inside linebackers that seem to be working really well together. Um, they could be a bit of a surprise packet. And, yeah, if that... Offense is clicking. That just makes it all the better for CD Lamb. Uh, him and Amari could both push over 100. They they should win that division comfortably. Even even with their defensive deficiencies, uh, the, the fact that they've drafted well on the defensive side of the ball, that offense stands up against any in the NFL. Uh, you'd imagine if everyone stays healthy that they should win the NFC East this year. Yeah, like a president. Eagles aren't going to be that great. You, the Giants stink. Um, Washington's I, their biggest competition. Yeah, I think I think Washington's their biggest competition. Um, What's Washington's strong suit? Defense. So, defense. Yeah, yeah. Quite an interesting matchup between them two. For sure. The uh, 
the Raiders and the Rams. Uh, not many starters in this one. Not too much to report about uh, Nathan Peterman. He played the whole game uh, at quarterback uh, for for the Raiders there. Uh, not much to write home about. Bryce Perkins, he threw, he attended 39 passes. You don't see that too much in a preseason game for a quarterback. Uh, 26 completions, 208 yards, two touchdowns and an intercept. What do we think of these two teams? I think the Rams, as I said uh, earlier in the podcast, uh, there or thereabouts to be uh, uh, them and the Cardinals being the best team in the NFC West. I think the Raiders obviously have got the Chiefs, and then I think it's it's pretty close between them, the Broncos, and the Chargers. Any uh, any thoughts contrary to that? Uh, I'd be really interested to see what the Raiders look like offensively when they have all the ones out there because they basically got rid of all their offensive line and brought in some guys, but not the names that they got rid of. Um, the Rams, and I think it's actually the same problem the Cards have. We're really interested to see what their run game ends up being. Like the Cards, they've got Edmonds and Connor there, and Connor really hasn't done too much in preseason. I wonder what that looks like, whether that goes forward. And the Rams, they're now trying to find guys to play running back at the moment. Mm. So hopefully Shane Michelle and um, Henderson can kind of come in and, you know, Add that area, add that need there, because otherwise uh, Matt Stafford's going to uh, struggle with uh, the amount of pass rushes he's going to have in his face if there's no threat of the run coming at him. For sure. I think it's just crazy that we're talking about the NFC West and we're not talking about the Seahawks. Well, we'll get to them. That's the next yeah, game. Broncos we will thing. get to them, but that's, like that's, in terms of that conversation... Good segue, good segue oh, yeah. into this game. Sean, uh, the Seahawks played the Broncos, your team. What did you gather out of this game? And uh, maybe we will have a chat quickly about uh, where the Seahawks fit into that uh, NFC West battle. Well, no ones in this game for the Seahawks, and it, can't, it showed like the Seahawks definitely were underdone um, compared to what the Broncos are putting out there, but the Broncos did play a lot of ones, especially in the first half. Um, so, yeah. When I say that, everyone for the Seahawks didn't play. So it's hard to gauge what that team looks like. They've got Danger Russ, Chris Carson's back there, um, Rashad Penny and D, DJ Dallas also healthy at running back. They've got the DK and they've got Lockett outside. Um, so they've got the weapons. The offensive line is slightly better than they've got, I think, I can't remember his name. They've got one more guy they've got in free agency added. Um, so. We've got Jamal Adams, the highest paid safety in the league, now back <laughs> as well with a team. So uh, they've got some defensive capability there. They'll be a good team, definitely. Uh, it really depends on how dangerous goes. Um, they Another team that started well last year and then kind of faded off, um, had to rely too much on Russell and you just couldn't keep keep it up. Um, with everything else kind of crumbling around him. Um, they couldn't play defense, really. I think it was probably the big thing. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, I am just seeing here as well that um, tight end Luke Wilson um, signed for his fourth stint as a Seahawk and then retired the next day due to heart conditions and other health issues. Oh, and shit. Yeah, so wishing yeah. him all the best moving forward as well, I guess. Yeah, bloody hell. Definitely. Uh, Giants and Browns, probably more news out of uh, what happened before the game than, than during the game. Uh Doing the rounds of uh, of the social media circuit and the internet this week was uh, Sterling Shepherd and Troy Hill shaping up uh, in their practice. I don't mm-hmm. think through too many, but uh, they, they were definitely shaping up. The game itself, 
pretty boring, not many starters. Um, the, the Giants, yeah, a shit division and that, I think it'll be them and, uh, and, uh, Philadelphia battling it out to not be the worst team in the comp, uh, worst team in the division, I should say. Yep. Yeah. Browns on the flip side, they should be a really, really good team. But mm-hmm. they've got ones playing in, in this, so. We'll have to wait and see what the, maybe some of those ones play next week or this weekend in a couple of days. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. 49ers um, taking on the Chargers the next game. Jimmy G did start and only played a few series. Uh, did get picked off. Uh, Trey Lance did come out. 8 for 14, 102 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Did look a bit better than last week. Uh, what was interesting, I think during the week at training camp, um, Trey Lance did take, um, some, uh, snaps with the the first team, so it's interesting. They keep asking Shani whether he's picked a co picked a um, uh, quarterback, and he said, "I'm pretty close to making a decision. Um, I've, I've got a guy in mind." And then they asked Jimmy G was next up at the podium, and he was it's like, "And Jimmy was pretty confident. He knew who it was, and it was going to be him." Um, uh, we'll have to see how that season unfolds to begin the year. If they struggle, yeah, I think they they'll hand those reins over the tray pretty quick. Mm. Yeah, t- tend to agree. Uh, we, we spoke about it last week. Uh, obviously a lot more confident in Trey Lance's ability this week. Uh, you know, completing more passes, um, and, and getting the two touchdowns. I do tend to agree. I think Jimmy G is who they're going to go with, uh, in, in week one, but, uh, wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Trey Lance takes, uh, over the reins there. Uh, you know what was interesting out of this game? Mm-hmm. Was, uh, it was two North Dakota State University quarterbacks going at it. Cause on the other side of the football, uh, was, was Easton Stick, uh, former NDSU quarterback. Uh, obviously the, the university that produced Carson Wentz, uh, he, he was going at it. The Chargers, they, they just couldn't run the ball and the 49ers got away with a, a narrow win here. Um, yeah, obviously, Justin Herbert will be will be the starting QB there, but I think Ethan Stick has put his name forward to make that squad. Chargers didn't play any ones in this either, so hard to gauge what that team looks like until we get into the start of the season. Then the last game, Jags taking on the Saints uh, to finish it off. A lot of interest in the, the, the battle because of two QB battles here. Um I think LASIK, uh, James Winston has probably won this battle. He threw two, um, TD bombs to Callaway, uh, who was five for a hundred or well, five catches, five receptions for 104 yards, two touchdowns. Taysom Hill wasn't too bad. He started off, I think, a little bit worse and he played better in the second part of his stint, um, to actually get his numbers up to 11 for 20, 138 yards, one touchdown. No running again, trying to show you that he is a, a pocket passer. I think this is Winston's team. I think that's what they've got here going forward. What are your thoughts, boys? No, I agree 100%. Jameis Winston is the better all-round polished quarterback. I think there's still a place for Taysom Hill in this side. Uh, You know, a gadget man, a short yardage man, a red zone man. But I think uh, that the starting quarterback in week one should be Jameis Winston, and he proved that point uh, this week just gone uh, against the Jaguars. Yep. So then, 
on the other side of the field, uh, Trevor Lawrence has been named the starter. He's going to be number one. Um, unfortunately for Minshew, he really didn't play well enough in the, the preseason to even push for that kind of position. The Jags overall don't look super great. Uh, Marvin Jones, I think, kind of put his hand up with um, Char, DJ Chark out at the moment. Uh, CJ Bethahard was the best probably QB of a lot of the Jags. Um, he's probably played the other two, but you've you invested in Lawrence. Um, that's who you're picking. That's who's going to be your number one quarterback going forward. Um, yeah, and those numbers from CJ Bethard may be inflated. It was pretty. It was garbage time. I think the game was was done. Um, so yeah, mate, maybe that speaks a little bit more than than what was the actual case. Uh, I don't think it was ever uh, a quarterback battle like like the uh, the media was hamming it up to be. I think Trevor Lawrence was always going to be the starter in this side, boys. What what are our thoughts there? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Lynch had to play well, like really well, to show that he was a, a class above where rookie Lawrence was to even be considered. At which point, I thought he would probably get traded anyway. So it was always going to be mm. Lawrence's team. Yeah, um, I can't think of anything else. Like, it's not like Jacksonville had a quarterback that you could have Lawrence sit behind for the start of the season or for a whole season just to learn off him. So, yeah, I think it was always Lawrence's team. Yeah. And the other big news for the Jags finishing last was the loss of their running back. Yeah, tra- Travis Etienne uh, did Liz Frank uh, that nasty injury in the foot uh, tends to be pretty debilitating. It seems he'll miss the whole season uh, there. Uh, look, really, really disappointing news for Travis. Uh, obviously, one of uh, Trevor Lawrence's best mates coming out of Clemson there. I think some very interesting fantasy implications as well for for, for James Robinson. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably the... <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the most, the most impressive, uh, undrafted free agent, uh, last year. And, uh, now he, he he's gonna, uh, enjoy that backfield, um, without an, a first round draft pick at running back. So they, they do have, imagine. oh, they got Carlos Hyde there as well. So yeah, Carlos Hyde's there. He's, he's, he's a journeyman. Uh, you'd imagine he takes a few carries away from, from, uh, uh, James Robinson there, but you'd, you'd imagine James Robinson to push a thousand yards again this season. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think about that. And with that, I think that's probably the NFL news. Um, I'm annoyed you boys didn't let me talk about Broncos quarterback situation, but, um, you probably don't need to listen to me rant for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> say uh, that for next week. Yeah. Yeah. They went with the safe option. Um, that's probably all I, I'll, I'll say on that. Um, and that'll finish up NFL chat for this week. Uh, Monks has just given me an update on the crickets. Uh, they're at lunch, 34, one down. Uh, Rahul out after eight runs. Um, so um, probably not a great issue to start, you'd hope, for the Indian side trying to chase down 300 plus. Yeah, England wraps that up pretty quick, you'd imagine. Uh, back to England, the APL uh, round yep, two yep. Uh, was underway. Uh, there's a massive story coming out of uh, this, but let's have a quick reflect on the on the round that was. Uh, looking at the at, at the major games, Liverpool put away Burnley. Uh, they were all over them. Um, they had 27 shots, which is pretty wild. They won that one two zip, and Man City bounced back from that loss 
against Tottenham in in round one uh, to to really punish Norwich five zip. Jack Grealish getting his his first goal as a citizen. Uh, Man United. Uh, the main news out of there, their away kit is fucking disgusting. Uh, I'm not sure who can't for that. Maybe, maybe if anyone wants Yeski to to come up with an away kit there, I think we we couldn't do worse than um than that navy blue and yellow, which has nothing to do with Manchester United away kit. <laughs> One all with Southampton. That's not great. That's um, not great. Look, look, I tell you what. It, on its own, it's not a horrible kit. Like if that was Sweden's away kit, I get it. Like, oh, it, yeah. But but if the it, the colour scheme, it has nothing to do with with United. Anyways, we'll delve too deep into that. Uh, Tottenham, they they uh they go to six points. They won against Wolves. Lukaku, a great return to the to the Premier League with him scoring in his first fifteen minutes. Uh, against Arsenal. Arsenal, bottom of, well, close to bottom of the table. Yeah, uh, zero, zero goals, four, four against. Uh, could be a long year for, for the soccer cannons. We'll see what happens there. And West Ham, a, a convincing win against Leicester, 4-1. They go top of the table with that. The big news out of the soccer this week, boys, was Cristiano Ronaldo reportedly in talks with Manchester City Sean, what have you heard? You think it's close to being a done deal? Yeah, well, it, it sounds like there's definitely a, an offer on the table. I'm just trying to find some details. It looks like a two-year contract has been offered to Ronaldo with a salary of £12.8 million. Pounds. Um, I think that's pounds or and then 15 mil euros, depending on the side. So the, the symbol. Uh, he's currently earning about um, – they flipped it on me. 31 million euros, which would be 26.6 million pounds per year for his tax. Uh, I think the holdup actually is on Juventus. They want a 25 million pound fee, uh, transfer fee. Um, they famously had to pay a 105 million pound transfer fee to get him over. So in the scheme of things, it's probably a little bit more like peanuts. That's why I think people will say, this looks like a done deal. He's going to go to City. Um, give them the cup already. They're going to win. Uh, very comfortably. I've I've got reports here that uh Ronaldo's sitting out of out of training um as of tomorrow I guess um at Juventus so yeah seems like it's it's a done deal. Yeah. It's, he wants to chase that final EPL gold. Um you know he had that huge legacy over at Man United for um coming up before he moved over to Madrid but uh, mm. yeah City yeah. City in He's, he's 36, um, so get another championship to his name. Bit, um, a bit, bit of a slap in the face as a Man United fan if he was to sign with City. Uh, you know, him and Alex Ferguson, very close by all reports, uh, mm. you know, t- took a chance on this on this young, uh, a- athletically gifted uh, bloke out, out of the islands of, of Portugal, and uh and and was a superstar as a youngster at Manchester United. Look, I, I know I know we live in a world where where money is uh is is the premium, uh. But yeah, I, I think this may leave a sour taste in a lot of a lot of United fans' mouth if if this is to trans uh, transpire. And I imagine we're going to find out in the next week. 
Yeah, I think this is going to happen pretty quickly because um, they're both the Italian and the Spanish clubs a bit under a money crunch, and for the Juventus to get you know 25 mil back um, in the deal, though they probably would like to have that money um, get um, get that on an aging Ronaldo, the ageless wonder that he is though. Um, yeah. He probably if he wants, he probably play the next four years in the EPL. Um, yeah. where he looks after his rig. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> not for, yeah, well, he's got a two-year deal so for City, so he's, he's just going to be around that long, if that's that's the rumoured deal. Question yeah. for you. Out of him and Messi, who's the older one? I think Ronaldo's older. Yeah. Messi is 34. Yeah. I always, always thought Messi was actually the older one, but no, he's the younger one of the two. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ronaldo looks after the rig, let's let's be honest. Uh, he, he gets a Coca Cola and he pushes it away and he gets the uh the Drink the water. Uh, oh fuck that happened. It's Agua apparently. That, <laughs> that, that's what held me back from being uh Cristiano Ronaldo, if you will. Uh the the cerveza over the Agua. Of course, yeah. Agua follows the fact he had no legs. Oh settle. Well, uh, sorry, I clarify muscles in your legs. <laughs> hey, I'm functional. <laughs> anyway, uh, we may as well get into the, uh, the best segment of of the podcast, the on the Esky final round. Ding ding. Yeah, and with only a couple of sports to cover, um, first we'll tackle the UFC and some of the boxing. Um, Jared Cannonier did win uh, win his fight against Kevin Gaslam. Bit of uh, um, story with the judging in this. Because uh, a lot of people actually had um, Gaslam winning this, winning the first really? two rounds, and then picking up, I think the fourth round. Um, but he, I think it was a split decision. I'll double check that. But Kennedy, they gave him the the result though. Um, so he now on track. Um, it just says decision. Don't tell me if it's split or not. <laughs> but he now firmly in that conversation for potentially getting the winner or maybe even the loser of the middleweight uh, title fight that's coming up between Whitaker and Alan. Um, oh, we have an absolute mouthful over here, boys. <laughs> Raul Adesanya. Those waters, they're, they're doing you some damage. Uh, there, yeah, too, too many waters. Water's not good for you. Um, <laughs> looks like it was a unanimous decision in the end. Oh, okay. Yeah. Either way, um, oh. uh, there was uh, a stunning... Knockout on the undercard, and I'm not even going to try and say his name because I will I'll, I'll give it a crack. It was uh, Ignacio Bajamondes who uh, had that spinning wheel kick against Roosevelt Roberts. So it got him so clean, boys. Uh, pretty rare that you see this happen. On and the, uh, the poor bloke, there was like five seconds left in this fight, and Ignacio had it wrapped up, and then he threw this around and. Uh, he went close to ending that man's life, didn't he? Yeah, I've one of the, uh, twice in one of the knockout of the year comp- um, competition because it was yeah. so close. Yeah. Like, just lands absolutely flush on the jaw, lights out. Good night. Yeah, um, check check that one out if you hadn't. Uh, good luck with the spelling, Ignacio Bahamondes. Uh, a, a really nice finish there. Uh, Manny Pacquiao fought this week, boys, and he lost. Uh, to Cuban fighter Udonis Ugas. Uh, Ugas took the fight on just 11 days' notice. He defends the WA, uh, WBA welterweight title. Yep. Pacquiao's 42. 
He was respectful in the post-fight interview. Where to next for the the former world champ? Probably politics, because uh, <laughs> I think um, a lot of people are talking about this could have potentially have been his last fight. Um, I think there might have been some chat about judges in this one as well, but um, you know, boxing and judging. Yeah. Say what you will. Um, but yeah, Manny getting older up in age. Um, maybe he needs to start thinking about doing what Floyd's doing at the moment. Um, uh, fighting, <laughs> uh, taking those big celebrity money fights instead. I um, like it. Manny, Manny Pacquiao and Jake Paul. Uh, <laughs> get around it. Don't, don't start this. <laughs> don't start this. Uh, but real, real uh, chat. He's probably going to go in politics and become the president. So, um, hmm. That would not surprise me at all. And you mentioned the Pauls. We should probably talk yes, about speaking it. Speaking of, yes. Yeah, Tyron Woodley taking on Jake Paul. That is Monday our time, so Sunday uh, for those in the US. Uh, Woodley, by far the best striker that Jake has ever faced. We just say that coming off uh, after fighting YouTubers, um, a basketball player, and then a retired UFC wrestler with a recent hip replacement. <laughs> So, uh, with these definitely different beasts, um, Paul is the bigger height wise. I think weight wise. Yeah, four inches on him. Yeah, four inches on him. Um, uh, the thickness of Woodley probably make this a difference, but that probably doesn't matter too much in boxing because there's no takedowns. Um, there's no wrestling. So it'll be interesting to see how what happens with this. Would not surprise me if Paul wins, honestly, at this point. Um, I think his favourite, yeah. Monks, if you wouldn't mind the odds, I think he's, he's quite handily favoured here. Yeah, yeah so his favourite's $1.47. Uh, Woodley is out at $2.56 at the moment. Jake Paul is at $1.72 as a knockout KO win. Um, Woodley's at $3, so anticipating the knockout there. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people would want yeah. to see Woodley... Due to Jake Paul, what he did to Josh Kostak, he was knocking the fuck out. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, be interesting to see. They had a rowdy press conference today. Um, I think Jake went after Woodley's mum, who's well well known in the um, you know mixed martial arts world, uh, Mama Woodley, and her kind of um, you know, in gracious in defeat for her son and getting around the other fighters um, that he has competed against. Um, so probably a low act from Jake Paul, but Jake Paul. I, Jake I Paul. think. Leave the mamas out of it. That's a remember the Titans quote there. Leave the mamas out of it. Look, I tell you what, boys. I, I think Jake. I think Jake is is heavily favoured here, and so he should be. I'd love to see the day that he fights someone his age and his size and gives it a real fair crack. Sure, you're a YouTuber, but he's shown he can box. I'd love to see the, the the day where he fights someone that's six foot one and twenty five. Yeah, wouldn't that put him in middleweight, roughly? In the middleweight champion for boxing? Oh, that's Can- no, no, I don't want to do that. That's Canelo. <laughs> Good, fight Canelo. I'd, I'd pay to see it. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love to see Canelo fight fucking Jake Paul. Pay the oh. man, pay the man. I'm, I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick of seeing this bloke doing well of fighting guys that are that much older and that much smaller than him. Mm. Go on, put, put his next fight against Canelo. <laughs> We've kind of talked about it before, but that's just the state of boxing at the moment. People would rather watch him and will pay to watch him fight than probably not necessarily to watch Canelo fight. Like, I 
I'm sure he brings in numbers as well. But yeah, and outside of a title fight, you're not watching any any other boxing match. But I put it out. Monks, I put it to the to this way. Uh, put your hand up if you're paying to watch this fight. <laughs> well, supposedly they they think it's going to be the well, it's it's the biggest fight in boxing currently. So there's but, nothing else that comes close to it. Um, I'll, well, catch, outside, I'll, I'll catch the, uh, the whole lot. That's it. Outside of Canelo, I gave him, I shouted him a beer at the start of the podcast. Nico Ali Walsh is is a middleweight. Yep. Let's wrap this shit up. The uh, a great tri- mm-hmm. uh, segue from from fighting to golf. Uh, the golf as un- usual underway with the BMW Championship in Maryland uh, last week. The Northern Trust uh, there in Liberty National. Uh, beautiful views of of New York City there from um, New Jersey. It was the Aussie, Cam Smith. He made a late charge. Uh, he shot a course record 11 under 60 on, uh, on Saturday. And, uh, mm-hmm. on Sunday, he got himself through to a playoff with Tony Fennell. And then he reminded me why I'm, I'm pretty close to being a professional golfer. <laughs> I thought his, um, his tee shot resembled a lot of mine. It bent. Like possibly 45 degrees to the right, out of bounds, uh, had yeah. to take a drop, uh, you know, out of the sand. He's playing for three. He got on the green with six. Tony Finau had, he could three putt and, and win. He two putted and got the win. Congratulations, Tony Finau. His first PGA win in mm. five years and Cam Smith, uh, really representing the Aussies there. Uh, we go into this week, the BMW Championship. Uh, they cut the field down to 70 and then 30 go into next week for the last, uh, round of golf or the last, uh, weekend of golf, I should say, in the golfing season. And that man, John Rahm, he's there. He's eight under along with Rory McElroy and Sam Burns. Uh, outside of that, Giannis and Teto Kumpo. He bought, he bought a stake in the Milwaukee Brewers. He's channeling his Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes, his Aaron Rodgers. He's putting his money into a local team. He says he's committed to the town or the city of Milwaukee. And the Paralympics is underway, boys. Uh, mm. I, I don't know if you've caught too much of it, but seriously, Australia, we're, we're top of the table. Last time I checked, uh, the Paralympians killing it. And, um, there's, look, if anyone's going to wake up a little bit dusty because maybe they had 10 beers on a podcast or whatever, you know, whatever your excuse is, <laughs> maybe get, get down to the track, get down to the pool, get down to the gym and uh, and get stuck into it, boys, tomorrow. Definitely. Yeah, those Paralympians are something else, uh, what they can do and what they are able to achieve. Um, definitely a better athlete than I am. Oh mate, you seen you seen the swimming where where guys with no arms, no arms, are going through, yeah. it. and then you look you look at the time and you're like, holy fuck, that's that's fast, fast. like they'll be like it wouldn't even be close. I'd be off the screen, I'd be off the screen, with <laughs> no arms, and that's oh, it. the table uh, the table tennis, table tennis yep, um, the Afghani with um, double amputee. 
Mate, paddle, paddle in his mouth. Paddles in his mouth and he was playing. Serves paddle. the ball up with his foot. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. So the take home message, boys, is there's no, there is no fucking excuse. There is no excuse. Get around it. Um, you know, push yourself and, um, and how good and seeing these, uh, inspirational athletes going on. Before we finish up, can I make one quick clarification? Um, while you're talking about golf, I did some quick fact checking. Uh, so Jake Paul was 86 kilos for his fight against, um, Ben Askren. So that would push him into the light heavyweight division. So they go, f- mm. so that goes from 79 kilos. Um, and then the cruiserweight junior heavyweight goes to 90. Uh, so he would have to fall into the light heavyweight. Um, currently that's got champions. They're all Russians. Um, Canelo would be the super middleweight champion at 76 kilos. So for oh. Jake Paul to fight Canelo, he'd have to drop 10 kilos. Uh, but it's not to say that Canelo maybe not cut for a fight and he, they could just do their celebrity fight and then hopefully murder the man. Mate, <laughs> hey, Canelo, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, get on the uh, the Mickey D's diet, chuck on 10, and then, <laughs> and then go on this Jake Paul for us. You do the world a favour. <laughs> oh, that's it. And with that... I think that'll do it for the podcast this week, boys. Um, mm-hmm. As always, it's been a pleasure. Uh, if you got this deeper Great and have listened, well, I think we're two hours 40 now. Um, please consider subscribing to the channel. Um, we will talk about all these sports all again next week. We'll talk about the crickets in the coming days. Um, yep. Otherwise, have that special wrap-up wrap episode of the cricket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'll chat later on. Have a good weekend, boys. I'm going to rush to the TV and see what's happening in that Port Adelaide-Geelong game and possibly catch a bit yeah. of the cricket. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I'll, um, I'll talk to you as, uh, after this uh, England-India game uh, finishes up. You want to know the results? Yeah, it's full-time. It, it is full-time, is it? Yeah. Guesses? Oh, well, Port, Port will weigh ahead, so I'm going to go with them. Yeah, Port 86, yeah. Uh, doubling the score of the John Cats at 43. That's massive, yeah. Home, home field advantage. So Port, wow. Port goes straight through to the prelim and, uh, and Cats will have an elimination game next week. Uh, can't wait to catch the other three AFL finals, uh, this weekend. Take care of yourself, boys. I know we're in lockdown. I know it can be a little bit difficult. Um, but, uh, yeah, enjoy the weekend and, uh, the sport that's upcoming. Definitely. Well done. Yeah. Bye. Catch you later. Bye.